you want to hit people with garbage cans. Now I got to cut you. Better put that razor away. I ain't playing no more. You put that f***ing razor away, I'm going to blow your goddamn pinky toe off. Oh, now you're going to shoot me in my pinky toe. I'm not playing with you. I will blow that little black, gnarled, crusty, dead motherfucker the fuck off your foot. Now put the razor away. You must be crazy to pull your gun on me. You gonna be the nine-toe having his limp in his bitch in Harlem. You don't stop fucking with me. Now put the razor away. Well, go ahead. Shoot, here it is. There it is. Shoot, quick, go ahead. Take your best shot. You didn't have to shoot that old lady in the foot, man. Sugar, she was trying to kill me. She wasn't trying to kill you. She's just trying to scare you. That's bullshit. The bitch pulled a razor out and was gonna cut me with it. I usually kill somebody over some shit like that. I don't even want to talk about it no more. You ripped your ass. Fuck you, man. <laughs> and if you hadn't had that gun, she'd still be whipping your ass. You know, y'all laugh at the wrong shit. He shot me in my pinky toe. I know, man. I'm gonna put what's left of my foot in your ass. I'm gonna kill him, sugar. Please, be careful. Come I'm gonna kill him out. Don't Just, kill him. Oh, Just relax. Oh, if I could get up from here. There we're gonna find your toes. Oh. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 113. Of Gundam at MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me always is Chris and Solbro. Guys, say hello to everyone out there. <coughs> there we go, man. There we go. That's a resounding. Uh, that's a resounding here. <laughs> like and present. Are you, are you like in the 1920s? And suffering from the tuberculosis. Tuberculosis and poppycock. Get back to work in that mine. <laughs> that old. That old consumption. Tuberculosis, smokerosis. It's just continue to mine that cold. Here you go. Give me ten cigarettes. Give me ten packs of cigarettes. I laugh in the face of cancer. I remember when I was drilling for coal, I used to smoke fourteen cartons of cigarettes. That's I've what I've been I smoking since I was wearing diapers. <laughs> I came out of my mother's universe with a cigarette in my mouth and a pack of Marlboros in my left shirt sleeve. You laugh in the face of cancer, like Sterling Draper, Cooper, Cooper Price. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, not not so much uh, in that not order. So much price. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forget that's a, that's that yeah, that, that has fallen off. Answer. <laughs> Something uh, far just... more direct. <laughs> and yes, this is episode one thirteen, and in this episode, we're going to be doing the conclusion of Pat Labor Roundup. Yes, it should have concluded three episodes earlier, but no, <laughs> we Early than never. Yes. Screw convention. We wanted to do it in episode 113. And we're going to be doing in this one, movie three and mini, the uh, three shorts of mini Pato. And then following up that is going to be, actually, it was a news listener submitted news articles thread uh, article, but it's also something that came on while we were in between doing recordings and it's dealing with the, oh, dun, 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 the buying of Lucas Films and Star Wars by Disney. So you mean the end of the world. Yes, and we're going to be joined by uh, 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 Mecha Talk uh, poster Mr. Bushido on that as uh, 
He's uh, he's part of the Star Wars uh, environment there as being a member of the 501st from the uh, Bay Area Brigade. So Golden def- Gate Garrison, the Golden Gate Garrison. So that's definitely some stuff. And um, um, yeah, I was asking them if they needed a news reporter to be embedded with them as they do their things. So, but um, <clears throat> before we begin, anything, Chris or Solbra, that you need to speak about before we go into news, listeners, news articles? We got big news, man. We got big news. You go ahead and rip it up, man. Oh, we have huge news. Oh my and actually, God. the biggest news that we have right here is coming from Arbiter Gundam. Oh, and it's oh, not oh. about Macross. It's Get about, out. oh, yes. No. I'll believe that when I hear it. <laughs> This is coming from the Anime News Network. And remember that guy, uh, I think we talked about it maybe an episode or two back, that built his own, like, rideable robot? His name was Kogoro uh, Kuragata. He's uh, creator of a hydraulic four-meter tall, four-ton rideable robot. Yeah. And uh, he's gotten 3,000 orders. What? Since he began taking orders about a month ago. And he uh, had the... um, the price tag of these robots is about 1.3 million US. So, uh, yeah, he's added he's been overwhelmed by media inquiries from the US, uh, the UK, South Korea, China, and other countries. So, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of people wanting to try to buy this thing. And, uh, what? Yeah. Um, Arbiter Gundam did some quick math here. He said that's about $4 billion. Worth. I wonder if those orders came from the U.S. military. I'm like, no, <laughs> that's too cheap for the U.S. military. <laughs> More but, so uh, the Chinese military. <laughs> yes, considering Chinese can't build anything. Oh but, man, <laughs> oh, did I say that loud? Um, <clears throat> but uh, thank you, Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for that. I just have to say, uh, Arbiter, what what happened? Uh, did those residuals stop coming in from Macross? Yeah, that world? was about to say. I was going to say thank you for the submission, but um, what about the Macross news? Because uh, Man, yeah, they must have must have stopped, huh? He's uh, he's definitely not there. So um, maybe he's not delivering the results. <laughs> maybe not. But uh, thank you for your submission. The next one here is from the Bloody Knight, and it's coming from the Anime News Network. And this is something I can't really talk about it too much, but um, maybe Chris can talk about it because I know he's played these games. Uh, there was a nine-minute clip from the Mass Effect Paragon Lost film that was posted. So, uh, Chris, do you uh, have you watched this video, and how would it coincide with the Macross or not Macross Mass Effect? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, no, I have not seen it, and uh, I'm not going to run out to see it because the trailers for this um, <clears throat> show some pretty god awful animation. Ooh. Yeah, it's, I'm talking it's, like Gundam Age level in some spots, which oh, yeah. the for, for EA with a subsidiary of BioWare, it's distributed by uh, Funimation or Funimation, and I guess Production IG with TO Entertainment were the ones that produced this film. So. This, must, this must be like the, the low-rent uh, B-Shift team at Production IG. <laughs> Day-Shift? Day-Shift at Production IG. <laughs> Because <laughs> that, that, that B-Shift, man, they, they, they put out bad stuff. So, yeah, the, the animation looks atrocious, which makes it really disappointing. And I, I'm not expecting, like, growth in the shell quality, but, I mean, it just looks bad. And the Dragon Age movie did not look good either. Mm. 
animation wise. Ooh, interesting. So, uh, story wise, this uh, <clears throat> actually is an expansion of backstory that was talked about in Mass Effect Three, and it takes place um, simultaneously with parts of Mass Effect Two. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you already learned the entire backstory in Mass Effect Three. Oh, so it's like stuff you already know then. Yeah, and you find out that it was a pointless mission because, uh, all right, very quickly here, you guys aren't going to get this, but anyone who's played Mass Effect will know mm-hmm. that uh, the character James Vega played in the game and in this movie by Freddie Prince Jr., he tells Commander Shepard about a mission to uh, fight off the Collectors and uh, you know secured some crap to fight them. But if you played Mass Effect 2, you know that that's an utterly pointless victory that this guy lost his entire squad for because Commander Shepard defeated the Collectors, not him. Oh, wow. So the whole movie is about them being trapped and fighting to the death and only him surviving with, like, you know, the junk and ultimately for nothing. Hmm, that sucks. Which, not a bad story if I didn't know it already because he yeah. already told us the story. <laughs> and there's so much in the Mass Effect universe that they could have chosen as a point to do a movie out of. Right. And, um, yeah, that, that, that uh, doesn't seem like the best point. Also... While I do applaud them for getting Freddie Prince back to play his character from the game because the Dragon Age movie did not feature anyone from Dragon Age returning as themselves. Uh, okay, so they get Freddie Prince Jr., but two other characters, Captain Anderson, played by Keith David, and Admiral Hackett, played by Lance Henriksen, not played by those guys in this movie. Oh, come mm. on. And I can't imagine those guys having... A lot of stuff to do. A lot of stuff to do <laughs> to begin with. I mean, Christ, you, you could have... You could have Keith David phone it in while taking a dump in the morning. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. That, that's another can... disappointment because yeah. those two guys uh, are important parts of the game and they just really add that. I mean, you just, you just can't replace Keith David. Right. Or Lance Henderson. They, they both got very noticeable voices. Well, I do have to, I do have to say, though, Bloody Knight does say in his uh, post here, tell me what you think. And I think you are telling me what you think. <laughs> this blows. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it blows, and I'll probably watch it to see, you know, yeah, what it, how it goes. But I'm not excited. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else? <laughs> no. Well, thank you, Mister Bloody Night, for your submission. But um, next one here comes from uh, poster Chains and Guns, and I don't know how to feel about this one. Oh. Um, you remember the Macross Frontier squishy phone that that oh, yeah. annoying bitch uh, Ronka had? Oh. Well, uh, it's uh, it's an influence and inspired a Japanese. There's a Japanese convenience store called Family Family Mart, and when I hear that, uh, Soul Bro, you remember Family Auto Mart? Those commercials, the Family Auto Mart with the wheeling and dealing starts, man. Yeah, (laughs) and and, um, it's a part of a collaboration with the Anime Channel Animates Animatrix. Uh, the 30th anniversary of the Macross front franchise, and it's beginning to sell the television remote on its online sh- shop. Mm-hmm. Limited edition and remote is based on the squishy cell phone that Macross Frontier uh, idol singer or idol bitch uh, Rocka Lee carries. And Wait, they- and you're telling me this story was not posted by Arbiter? No. Yeah, exactly. He does something completely different, but the squishy uh, remote phone is uh, this guy. Uh, He's chains lives- and guns, man. He's uh, yeah. it's, my, it's my boy Ed, who lives right here in Orlando, man. I, yeah. I run into it's him every a- once in a while. Outside silicone case of the remote is removable. It has a re- uh, The remote has a re- 
a button that instantly switches to the Animex uh, channel. Uh, it's available for pre-order beginning uh, Sunday, uh, October 29th. It sells for about $48 U.S. And uh, yeah, there's uh, they're going to be, in addition, Family Mart is going to be selling uh, Macross background music and ads. Uh, our Macross ads are going to run at the register. So yeah, definitely... Uh, Check that out, but yeah, it's. I think the bigger news here is the fact that uh, Chains and Guns came up with this uh, post, and uh, Arbiter did not. All, all I can say is, uh, Arbiter, you gotta get a step up your game, man. Oh man, he's I, th- I think I think he's I think he's on the outs with those guys, man. I think he, I think he effed up or something. But um, <clears throat> next one here comes from man, one of our favorite Australians, and favorite meaning that we like them at arm's length because they'll steal all. <laughs> <laughs> like that and that's vent noir and he's actually uh well when it comes to the the uh the australians he's probably the more manageable ones of the australians unlike that mula flaga he's a he's a real whippersnapper but, uh, <laughs> he's this is coming from the anime news network and uh remember uh fafner heaven and earth well it's being streamed with an english dub and uh the north american anime distributor Funimation, or for some of us, Funimation. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It began streaming the entire <laughs> uh, Fafner Dedigressor Heaven and Earth with an English dub uh, on Friday, and that was like at the end of October. So, uh, yeah, and it was only for that one weekend. So, <laughs> this is like dated. So, uh, um, if you wanted that, well, your ass out. But thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Next I'm one. sure it was on time when he posted it. <laughs> That's- <laughs> a lot can happen in two weeks. <laughs> but, but, you know what? See, this is this is what we in the journalism industry refer to as evergreens. Those are stories that have no expiration date. I I, I know I'm 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 one of those guys. But and, uh, and this is not an evergreen. No, it's not. But this one is. This is also from Noir, so he gets he gets a little bit of satisfaction. This is from the Anime News Network. And uh, remember, uh, I'm sure Chris remembers this. Remember when the uh, Robotech uh, Harmony Goal founder uh, was found of tax evasion? Yes, oh, yeah. I, I got quite a good laugh out of that. Oh yeah, now, it's sadly, he's not going to serve any jail time though. Yeah, apparently uh, uh, Italy's jails are too overcrowded. Yeah, despite sentence to three years on. Uh, for his tax evasion, amnesty law passed in 2006 keeps convicted indiv- individuals out of prison if their sentence is for three years or less. It's to combat out overcrowding in Italian prisons. So uh, just do what we do in the U.S. Just put them in the you know put them in the parking lot. That's what we do here. So or do uh, what they do in Britain. Send them to Australia. <laughs> Good one, Chris. And it comes around. I'm glad you did. I didn't do it. Oh, it just it just comes it all comes full circle. Right, there it's you all go. A circle, yeah. Hey. The circle of jail. America's <laughs> America's made out of the, the puritanic religious right. And um you know, Australia's made of the criminals. People that kill you. So um thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Uh, next one here is from Mr. Bushido, but we'll go uh, further into that uh, as a actual segment in this uh, in this show. And next one here is from Gundam Type Zero, and I guess Tasunoko is suing over the Speed Racer anime licensing. Wow! They filed a lawsuit uh, against three of the members of the uh, American licensing company Speed Racer. 
accused the three of exploiting the Speed Racer anime rights after their license expired. Tasunoko is seeking one million dollars in damages and uh, said it, it was it granted Speed Racer Enterprises a ten year license to the nineteen sixty seven sixty eight car racing anime in two thousand. Uh, and it, it, I guess they had released an English dub. And, um, yeah, so lots of lots of legality stuff, and I don't want to go into all this, but basically they're saying we want money. So thank you, Mr. Gundam Type Zero. Submission. Next one here is from Arbiter Gun. And he came back with a follow-up here. He's got a Fibitsu article. It's got a new Macross 30 game. So he's back on the payroll. He is back on the payroll. So um, <laughs> it's the uh, preview of uh, Macro- uh, PlayStation 3 Macross game. Macross 30. Ginga o Tsunganga, whatever. Means... Uh, <laughs> Macross 30, the song that crosses the galaxy. Yeah, that sounded so bad. And it includes uh, 50 screenshots of the game, and it's going to uh, include original storyline and lots of other little things in there. So uh, other than that, thank you, Mr. Arbiter Gundam, for that. And next one here is from Rodimus76. And he's saying, here's more proof of my concerns about the robot apocalypse. And thank you for that. Because it says that it is... Mm-hmm. We are dead. DARPA's latest... You do not have the story up in front of you, do you? Went on the internet to load. Load? <laughs> God damn it. What are you... This news never sleeps here in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. We're all dead. DARPA's latest humanoid robot. Apparently not. News never loads in the newsroom either. (laughs) (laughs) Objects. Obstacles. So there is a robot that DARPA, it's called their pet proto, is navigating a hole in the ground with rubber rubber lizards and stuff. And this is just, uh, this is just disturbing. I don't want to know about this. I'm clutching the tomes. This means that the robots are learning. So thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for making me go even crazier on this aspect here. So uh, last one here is from Nasty Nate, and there's an Ultraman vs. Gundam vs. Kami Rider fighting game. What? It's going to be coming to the PSP, and the fighters included are going to be Ultraman Mobius, Ultraman Zero, Ultraman Nexus, Alien Emperor, Kaiser Bellum, Dark Saga, Kamen Rider W, Kamen Rider OOO, Kamen Rider Dendo, Kamen Rider Eternal, Dinosaur Agreed, Nega Dendo, Gundam Double O. I hope it's not season two because that would suck. Turnier <laughs> G- <laughs> Gundam, Liberation Gundam. What is Liberation Gundam? Is that like the communist version of Gundam? Master Gundam, Turn X Gundam, and you can read the thing at um, uh, Silicorner.com here. So. So, yeah, a new uh, fighting game coming to PSP. So, bro, do you have a PSP? No. Oh, yeah, actually, I do. I do have a, I do have a PSP. I rarely touch it, but I do have one. Okay. So, uh, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission. And actually, I said that was going to be the last one, but this is actually the last one. Oh, you're a comes... liar. Yeah. <laughs> media <was> media a... <laughs> bias. <laughs> I'm the Fox News of anime news. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm, this comes from Vent Noir, and this is uh, there's a Capcom license with Tasunoko lapses. 
Uh, Capcom U.S. Senior Vice President and Corporate Official Christian Sevenson revealed on the Capcom Unity Forums, which I'm sure throws a silver member on, uh, that Capcom's rights to Tatsunoko has lapsed. Capcom is no longer allowed to sell Tatsunoko vs. Capcom Ultimate All-Stars fighting game physically or digitally. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about this? Well, I mean, I, I knew it was only going to be a, a temporary thing. I mean, they, they, they went through hell to license all the characters to temporary. bring out here. It means that they can't sell it anymore. No, what I'm saying, when the game got actually got licensed, the amount of work they had to put into it, they mentioned at the time that this would only last for so long, so get the game while you could. I got the game um, shortly after it came out along with the stick that came with it. Um, it's a it's a game on the Wii and um, it'll be playable on the Wii U if anyone ever picks it up. But <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a really fun fighting game. It led the way to uh, Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom three and and fighting games like that. And um, I'm sad to see that it's going to be out of print. Uh, if you haven't got it yet, it's still on uh, Amazon for a reasonable price. So um, definitely jump in there and get it before it becomes uh, one of those hard to find games. Chris, I won't buy it at a low price. Yeah, I'm just gonna say you gonna buy it. Do you even care about this? No. Okay. Well, and right. I am a complete liar. But you are, because there's a, like there's one last story that I know you want to read. <laughs> the news always lies. Oh, liberal media. That's me. Liberal <laughs> media. Um, this is coming from Entertainment Weekly, and this is Sir Bay News. So this should have been mm-hmm. at the top, but I think I've had one too many beers before I did this uh, news here. And uh, the biggest thing here is... Mark Wahlberg is now going to be on Transformers 4. So all you Transformers haters, suck it. Oh, man. Marky Mark? He's going to be rolling I'm not a big fan of Marky Mark, but at least he ain't goof la boof. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got some good vibrations about this. (laughs) Are you serious? Yes, it's uh, Michael Bay has officially confirmed that the star of Transformers 4 will be Mark Wahlberg, who worked with the director on the Uncontrolled Uncoming crime tale, pain and gain. Yeah, that's the filmed uh, uh, right down here in Miami, Florida, with, yeah. with Mark Wahlberg and The Rock teaming yeah. up for a movie, man. That's it's uh, the sequel's planned debut on June twenty seventh, two thousand fourteen. So mark your calendars. Oh, There's actually a sleek new logo based on the Decepticons logo. So you, oh. you wanna, it's actually kind of cool. So uh, you want to check that out, and of course it's her base. So you know it's gonna be. Only quality. So uh, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. And thank you, everyone, who's submitted to the Neos Listeners from the News articles thread in the Mechatalk forum. Unfortunately, because of some time constraints with our uh, upcoming segments here, unfortunately, there's going to be no... I know, Chris, ah, this is going to be tough for you. There's going to be no Chris <laughs> Corner, is there? Solta. No, not not this episode, but I promise you guys we'll probably have a whole person dreamers blowout sometime in episode soon. In a future episode. Don't don't you guys worry. Those who've been waiting to have your hopes and dreams crushed. <laughs> it's right around the corner. Don't you worry. Chris, oh, I'm just feel- building up the anticipation. I'll I'll survive another two weeks. Yeah, I was on about the to hope say. of destroying people's dreams. Yeah, even more say. so. Are, 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 are you feeling even more powerful about that? So um and I guess, too, with some of the time constraints here, there will be no um, mailbag segment, right? Later oh, I sobro it, man. I wanted to look people in suspense till the end, thinking that it might actually be there and then disappoint them. Yeah. Chris, Chris is always looking to crush somebody's hopes and dreams. You already did it for him, man. You took his, you stole his thunder. Yeah, you I'm totally sorry. deflated it. Thanks a lot, man. I'm sorry, but you know what? <laughs> Whatever. You took his job, man. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
You know job creator, bro. I'm not. But uh, it's not my job to create jobs. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for your submissions. And thank you, Chris and Solbro, for the useless nonsense that you'll be speaking later on here. And uh, we'll be going to our first uh, topic here after this pause. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Let's do no such goddamn thing. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fanfiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Did you order the code red? damn right I did! back to Gundamit MAHQ and we're going to jump into this discussion topic which is part 6 the 6th and final installment of our ridiculously long running Pat Labor Roundup mm-hmm. so this time we're going to be discussing both the mini Pato short films as well as Pat Labor Movie 3 and oh. we are again joined by our pal Dalo Arlance hello <laughs> welcome back wait, wait, wait a sell. <laughs> yeah you sound so enthusiastic listen to that excitement y'all <laughs> sound like we. You, you sound like Dennis if, when we're trying to get him. Chris is trying to get him to leave. <sighs> what? Well, well, is Dennis in Dallas' house now? 
<laughs> Whoa! You know, I did see him at, at Macross World, so oh, that shit. was an amusing was, thing. Was he was he being kicked out because he doesn't count as as part of the official continuity, and he was uh, trying to argue that that he counts? No, they were kicking him out because nobody knew about culture. That's for damn sure. Uh-huh. He even told he even told the Zentradi uh, cosplayer that he didn't know anything about culture. It was did, quite amazing. Uh, did he try to tell Mari Ijima that she doesn't know anything about culture? <laughs> no, the, no. Every, all the fans basically threw him out at that time and made sure he stayed out. Oh, I see, I see. So he probably went to go drink and, and collapse in some gutter somewhere. Oh, damn. I'm well, sure he'll work his way back here somehow. I'm sure, yeah, he, had, he, pro- sure he has he, a deadline for the Baltimore Sun. Later on this week, right, Chris? No. Probably, probably. Maybe he went to the subway that was across the street. Who knows? Where's Wallace? But anyway, um, <laughs> we're talking about Pat Labor. Yeah, Pat Labor. So oh, let's start it off with Mini Pato, which is uh, three 10 minute short films that were written by Mamoru Oshii and directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who shortly after Mini Pato would go on to direct Standalone Complex. Mm hmm. Which, of course, was originally brought to film by Mamoru Oshii, so interesting uh, crossing paths, the two of them. And it wouldn't make, and it wouldn't make us uh, bad an eye if he ever came back to Pat Labor, because he's already been involved once, if, if just a little. Yeah. So, uh, Mini Pato is basically sort of like uh, these SD shorts, and uh, they are this thing that Oshi dubbed the Digital Paper Puppet Theater. So you have... Um, these puppets on sticks moving around on colored backgrounds that uh, are a mix of CG and clay and other weird stuff. So visually, the best way I can describe it is similar to the Paper Mario games. Yeah, that, that, that's a good that's a good analogy right there. The the very colorful kind of crayonic look, but uh, a flat two D surface with these completely flat characters that flip around forwards and backwards. So. Think Paper Mario, and you'll have an idea of what Mini Pato is. Now, man, talk about uh, Japanese uh, ability for uh, whoring things out and self-promotion and getting you to waste money. Mm-hmm. These three short films, they didn't air them all at once before Movie 3. They had it uh, split up all three episodes individually, so you oh. had to see Movie 3 three times... <laughs> To see all three episodes of Mini Pato. What? And, and I bet there's no guarantee. Did they show them randomly? I don't know if they showed them random. I think, if I remember correctly, I think it was one episode every week mm-hmm. during its run. So you had to go three times over the course of three weeks to see all three episodes. And you know what? Somewhere a sci-fi writer in Northern California goes, hmm, that would have been made a lot of sense for me to do. <laughs> well, they, they, it's kind of been done before, but would, randomly. Would that be out. a certain sci-fi writer whose uh, first name starts with a G and last name starts with an L? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> these three uh, SD shorts—they're kind of a way for some of the cast to uh, shine one last time because obviously they play a pretty small role in the third movie, which we'll get to soon so in the first episode you have goto giving this ultra in-depth gun otaku explanation about the revolver cannon and what it is <laughs> and why it's named as such yeah Going then so the far second episode not call it a howitzer which i find quite amusing <laughs> then the uh, second episode involves shige crazy shige explaining the uh 
development of robot anime over time and uh, talking about how everything basically was leading up to the creation of Pat Labor. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amusing. <laughs> And then the last episode is uh, good old Shinobu doing an expose on the conspiracy of how Goto built up a uh, <laughs> Gobi production empire <laughs> addicting people all over the place. Explains which, it all. <laughs> which is probably the be- one of my favorites, if only because it, it takes me back to that one episode in the TV show where they dropped, they dropped the labors into the into the bay when they were trying to fish out their boat. Oh, no yeah, way, man. Right. It's, the best one's the first one because it's got fire-breathing Ota. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go around the table. Uh, Dalo, your impressions of Mini Pato, all three parts of it, and uh, which part of the three was your favorite, if any? Uh, it's very educational. It seemed like I was watching some sort of educational thing about uh, all the the entire labor universe and kind of like the uh, Gunbuster Science shorts. Sure, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in some ways, but it's educational to the point that I can kind of see it makes you want to go get out the go search out whatever models or toys that Pat Labor had at the time, which kind of did its job. Considering when I was at my uh, at my uh, retro store today, I wanted to look for anything that was pat labor <laughs> so it's pretty educational i find the artwork very amusing it's amusing because we get to this point which is probably the most light parted about pat labor and it just shows how diverse the series really is from being very serious silly serious and just being plain educational and being funny at the same time so i find it very it's just it's hard to describe other than the fact that it's just very well done again like i said my favorite is the the third one because it's shinobu and she tells us about the about how he built how goto basically built up this conspiracy to actually make basically starting up a fishing empire almost and like you said in your review chris and i think it's very apt it's the fact that you have so many homages particularly one to raiders of the lost ark <laughs> So that one was my particular favorite. And again, like I said, it reminds me of, a, of one of my favorite episodes from the TV show. So I always think about uh, it in, those, in that particular episode in conjunction with one another because it just, it, just, it just reminds me so much and it makes me laugh every time. But I don't have very much to say other than that, other than the, the fact that it's just very good. I'll, and I'll pass the mic over to, uh, to Neo right now. So why don't you go? Oh man, you're just taking over for Chris. Yeah, I was I was actually gonna pass it <laughs> yeah, to Sober, so thanks for interrupting and yeah. just choosing things on your own. Uh Sir Chris, uh um I, I defer back to you. Who do you want this going to? Uh Solbro, why don't you tell us your thoughts on yeah. Mini Pato? Well Mini Pato first the last time, Dolo. <laughs> Well, if you haven't noticed, yeah. the last the last times that I've ever been on the show, I've always passed it to Paul. Hey, no one runs this show except me. Yeah. You'll you'll do well to learn that if you ever want to be on again. <laughs> exactly. I'm it. the domineering one here. You better understand. That's how it works. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, Mini Pato, man, I, I thought it was really creative um, with it, with with its. Uh, presentation uh it you know the first thing that did come to mind when i started watching it was paper mario uh you know absolutely all day long i love how the the characters are just motioning up and down you can see the little stick rod underneath them as if they're being held by a, a person who's puppeteering them but um you know this is the, uh, the 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 emotions on the characters faces you know they really for how minimalist the animation is it it, it still had an impact when you see uh goto 
talk about uh, the weaponry that they use, whether it be uh, the Pat Labor's uh, revolver or even the uh, shotguns that they that the pilots carry around. And it was very informative, you know, comparing the uh, the hand cannon <laughs> that uh, Ota uses to uh, an actual cannon, and um, it's just very whimsical and fun. I I just found myself just very entertained when watching that one. Um, of course, the one with um with with the with the uh, the comparison to um, I guess the build up to um, the development of Pat Labor itself in comparison to all the other robot series that preceded. That one was fun because uh, they showed the all the different kinds of Pat Labors that uh, were conceptualized, including the gun tank one. That, that tickled me pink. <laughs> and, the, and the samurai one, too. Um, that was a whole lot of fun to watch. But my favorite, I've got to say, is uh, Shinobu as well. The uh, the one about the Gobi manufacturing uh, scheme that... Uh, that Goto had going in order to uh, <laughs> in order to build finance the whole SV2 department or the SV department, uh, and um, I, it, it it of course is not a true story, but it would make sense. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Who knows? It might be it might be embellished for the truth, but uh, maybe there's a little truth. They there. were desperate to get that boat out of that one episode. <laughs> oh yeah, I love the scene when uh, <laughs> when the inspectors or the people leave, and you see the whole staff in front of the uh, the garage. And as soon as that 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 car pulls off, you all see them like just fall out almost from hunger, <laughs> and you just hear the rumbling of their stomachs. All the all the all the staff, the mechanics, and the pilots. It just everything about this just cracked me up. And um, the 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 voice performances from all the returning uh returning characters. It, it was it was a lot of fun to just revisit Pat Labor. It was the last thing I watched that was Pat Labor related, and um, I'm glad I saved it for last because it was very enjoyable. All right, Neo, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I pretty much. Um echo the same sentiment that everyone has um definitely a nice little uh kind of wrap up funny wrap up of um <clears throat> the pat labor universe and uh yeah it was definitely um definitely some funny stuff there but it's like i said earlier i think my favorite one is is actually the first one because they go through so much discussion about like the shell round ra- the rounds for the gun and going through like all the different calibers and stuff and then of course you have fire breathing uh ota because they were saying if you give them explosive rounds this is what's going to happen to the city so <laughs> <laughs> and nothing's funnier than seeing an ingram that's like paper marioized and then with ota's head coming out with him blowing out fire from his uh from his mouth so uh <laughs> The other ones are pretty funny too. The 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 Gobi scheme one uh, was pretty um, pretty hilarious, and and it and it would make sense along the lines of a uh, person like uh, Goda to do something like that. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely some good stuff as uh, as opposed to the movie that preceded it, or that you'd have to watch to uh, to watch these shorts if you were Japanese. So. Oh, hold, hold those thoughts. I was just holding them. Yeah, I just, I just, just that was a concluding statement. Sorry. So, I think that uh, Mini Pato is a pretty uh, nice Valentine to Pat Labor fans, especially as a way to sort of make up for the characters having a diminished presence in the movie. I love that in the first one, all of Goto's explanations of what not to do and what types of bullets are yeah. bad involve. Oda going on rampages even worse than what he usually does. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> and um, I loved in episode two the uh, Pat Laborified robots that appear, including you know the gun tank, the uh, Pat Labord um, Ava mass production type. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, it, was, it was production IG, so. 
Wasn't and, there a scope dog in one of the episodes too? I can't remember that. Well, Votomes is name dropped, which mm-hmm. I found amusing since uh, Shige's voice actor also played Vanilla in Votomes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was another 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 little wink and nod because throughout all three of these episodes, uh, the whole time they're breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. There yeah. is no attempt to be serious or real or anything. So that's what that's I like. Educational this- videos, man. Mm-hmm. This is this is Pat Labor Unchained, basically. <laughs> That's the whole charm of the project. <laughs> With no no adherence to reality. Mm-hmm. So given that uh, this was so short, that's why we're discussing this in conjunction with movie three rather than as a separate roundup. Mm-hmm. So we're going to head right into movie three, which was released in 2002 and directed by Fumihiko Takayama, who directed previously an OVA you might have heard of called Gundam 0080. Who? <laughs> 0080, huh? Yeah, I think that's the one with the young Asian boys. Oh, man. Ooh, hot pants. And, and the hot all. pants and the airplane Ooh, shirts. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> no, air, air, that was a sweater. Airplane sweater. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. Co- that's right. Coach Sandusky's favorite Gundam show. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. So this movie was in development for a very long time. Uh, it started off as an OVA, then it became a movie, and uh, just went through a very, very long process. And although... It was made nine years after Movie 2. It's actually set before Movie 2 because SV2 is still intact and they're still using the Ingram. Specifically, it's set in the year 2000. In the year 2000. <laughs> but this is not your typical Pat Labor story. You're, you're not going to see most of the characters doing anything more than having a cameo appearance. So you got um, a mysterious creature that is attacking laborers in Tokyo Bay and um, a plane that crashed and all sorts of weird stuff going on. And you have these two investigators, a uh, detective Kusumi, an older guy um, on a crush because he's hobbled from some uh, leg injury Mm -hmm. and his young partner Hata. And they start investigating what's going on with these mysterious labor attacks and uh, sightings of some creature. And it actually turns out to be a honest-to-God monster <laughs> that is tearing labors apart and eating people. And it attacks them inside of a uh, storage facility. And it's just making a mess everywhere. So they're trying to uh, figure out what the hell's going on. So Kusumi, being an older detective asks around he gets some help from goto in investigating what's going on and what we find is that uh and this is where it starts to get a little convoluted Mm -hmm. back in the early 80s a meteorite from antarctica was found and these researchers found um some junk in it and these cells they started decoding the cells and studying them and from that they created uh nishiwaki cells (laughs) which can replicate very quickly so Eventually, a biological engineering company was created called Toto, and they were working on this stuff. And this researcher named Saeko, who lost her husband in an accident and her daughter to cancer, combined her daughter's cancer cells with these Nishiwaki cells, which created the monster. Mm-hmm. 
and the monster was being created for the SDF and the US, but now that it's out in the open and tearing shit up, they're trying to keep this thing on the down low and cover it up as just uh, terrorism. So this monster is attracted to sounds, which uh, Kusumi figures out. So they decide to, in the end, lure it into the uh, Tokyo Budokan, the arena, the concert arena, Mm -hmm. with sounds. And uh, they have a virus warhead that will take it out. And the job of taking it out falls to SV2. So you have this... um, kind of crazy uh, confrontation with Beethoven's A Sonata playing and this monster is attacking the Ingrams and they're trying to fight it off because it's got it's wearing a labor as armor (laughs) (laughs) and uh, they finally kill the monster at which point uh, Saiko commits suicide because she's got nothing to live for and uh, the incident is completely covered up as expected. <laughs> so, Solbro, your thoughts on W13? Well, um, I, walk, going into it, I already heard enough about it prior to, to watching it to know is is no more than really a side story. So, well, it should be mentioned since you say that that uh, this is adapted from a manga story. Mm-hmm. In fact, the same manga story that formed the basis of an episode from the original OVA, which was also about a sea monster, but that was. Uh, Far tame in comparison. <laughs> yeah, that that was a bizarre episode about this Hiromi-looking sea monster. Yeah, you know, and also kind of the, some of the scenes in this movie reminded me of the episode from the TV series too, where um, where uh, Izumi and uh, uh, Clancy they had to take on that uh, that dragon Godzilla creature as yeah. well. Um, you know, it kind of harkened back to that too. It got shades of uh, little bits and pieces from Pat Labor prior in this in this movie. Um, overall, I thought it was oddball because, you know, being, being thrust and in the, in the lives of two characters we'd never been introduced to until now, Kasumi and Hata, you know, we had to, you know, get accustomed to them and find out, you know, what made them tick and their work dynamic. I I did like kind of the, um, the balance between the two characters, how one is, uh, kind of really old school and the old salty detective that's he's all into analog things he listens to uh lps and 45s and he doesn't like that digital nonsense or the internet he doesn't care for none of that and then you have his young buck detective uh hata and he's all about technology and you know he's well well knowledgeable about the internet and how it works and how both their different styles come together i like that about the movie it is very slow paced, but there are a few jarring scenes in the film, and um, I, it was wild to see a Pat Labor so brutal, brutally violent. <laughs> um, the scenes where the the um, the mysterious monster, the Wasted Thirteen, uh, just is straight, just chomping people and just going after the the the, the in 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 um in particular the scene where they're at the under, underground facility. And um, the two cops that are with the detectives end up getting just slaughtered. That's that's it, it was wild to see. And I love that whole chase scene and how it played out. I thought it was really well done. Um, would I rank this better than the other two Pat Labor movies? No, not by far. I enjoy movie two a lot more than this. I enjoy movie one a lot, a lot more than this because I get the characters that I really want to see. The Pat Labor, uh, the, the SV2 team. And in this movie, you barely get to see them. They're kind of like a blunt, a blunt um, tool used to take down the monster towards the end of the film and you get little bits and pieces with them here and there. But I don't know. It's something was a little off for them not to have more of a, a bigger role in the movie, especially since someone makes a suggestion that uh, that the two detectives team up 
with SV2 on this this case from the get-go, and they choose not to until towards the very end. Um, I, and I knew that was going to happen, but I just I, I wish I'd have seen them having more of an involved um, role in this movie. But overall, I, I thought it was fun to watch. I don't know if I'll go out of my way to watch it again. The movie is gorgeous, and the score is great. But um, I, I would probably choose one of the older labor movies to, to dive back into before I watch this one. And um, I'll pass it back to you, Chris. All right, uh, Dalo, your thoughts on the movie? Well, it certainly is a different beast, no pun intended. Uh, oh, compared, I see what you did there. <laughs> compared to the rest of Pat Labor, it's it's a detective story, which we're kind of used to, but having so little to do with, uh, with the regular cast is a bit of a, I wouldn't say jumping the shark, but it is a very different uh, way of telling stories. I probably would have, it probably would have been better if it was Matsui, who is part of this team and see why you steal what i'm gonna say oh ma'am <laughs> but overall just to get my thoughts in and it's just it is good you have to just uh get adjusted especially since you've you if you go from uh, like all the other pad labors to this one it's very much a different a different thing i do like the animation i do kind of like uh, the way that how they tell it it does get a little over your head sometimes and but it does have enough there that I I could actually enjoy watching it. Uh, I f- I find it amuse I find it amusing that uh, that uh, that stadium. If I remember right, they were trying to get this uh, this filmmaker Soul Bros Man out of out of there, and he was all pissed <laughs> off about it. You know, it's <laughs> hilarious. Is if, if you if you watch it in in Japanese, mm-hmm. uh, the guy is speaking in English, and it's the guy mm-hmm. actually speaking normal English, not oh, yeah. some Japanese guy trying to speak English. But in furtherance of Pat Labor's uh, humorously skewed vision of Americans. Mm-hmm. Every sentence this guy says has fuck in it somehow. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's why even he's when so you hear man. him screaming in the background, it's fuck this, fuck that. And as you'd expect, uh, when the Japanese interpreter is translating it for the army, she's saying like very polite <laughs> things in complete contrast to what he's actually saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I find. Infinitely amusing, and I nominate that guy as uh, Soul Bros Man simply because he can't get a scene. <laughs> would you? Would you? <laughs> I would. I don't see here any adjustments. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be that one brother that showed up for like half a second? <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> so, uh, anything else, Dello? It would take a, nothing, nothing other than that. I think it is worth watching at least once. Although, don't watch it at, at at night in a dark room unless you like horror movies. That's all I'll say. <laughs> That's how I watched it. <laughs> then you must love horror movies. <laughs> okay, uh, Neo, your thoughts on this movie? Uh, it blows. Oh. Uh, Would you care to elaborate? Yes. <laughs> unlike um, unlike uh, both Sobro and Dolo who are just dancing around saying, well, you can just see it once and that's really all you need to see it. Yeah, you can, but it's not really good. I mean, if it's not Pat Labor, then I think you can make it into something. But the fact that this is like the last Pat Labor movie, all intents and purposes, probably one of the last things we're going to see of Pat Labor at this point. And for the fact that um, we get two just characters that we haven't dealt with before, uh, SV2 is just so slight in there. There's a part, I think about middle way when they uh, recover the crashed plane and then uh, Azumi and Osama show up at the uh, at the ship 
and the two detectives walk off and it's just like, hey, we're from SV2 and then you, they just walk off and then there's some things with Gota and then, yeah, at the end when they have to go to um, uh, the, the stadium there to try to kill the monster, which reminded me of the whole thing of, I thought I was watching Akira again. I felt, I felt they were at the stadium when they are trying to kill Tetsuo, but I don't know, call me crazy. <laughs> I can uh, um, see that. Yeah, you, you think? Um, <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a little slow. It, yeah, you have to get there and get used to uh, two characters that you never, uh, you know, haven't dealt with before. And that's not a problem if it's not pat labor. And that, that was my, that's kind of my big issue with it. Yeah, I don't want, you know, it, I, I understand side stories. I understand introducing new characters. But the way that really SV2 is just really a minor, minor part in this, just it's, you know, it's, it's Pino. It's Pat Labor and name only almost. Oh, and, um, it, you know, it's, it, it's not as good as movie two, not as good as movie one. And I've watched it this one time because uh, I had... I had seen the first like couple of minutes of it a couple of years ago when all these movies got released on Blu-ray, and I never. I, this was one of the ones I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and uh, the only reason why I watched it was because of Pat Labor Roundup, and I'm not going to watch it again. I'll enjoy movie one, movie two, uh, the OVAs, the TV series, but um, yeah, this thing's dead to me. So uh, damn, damn. It's not as bad as Shadow Chronicles, but <laughs> that's a whole other ball of wax. I mean, don't get me don't misunderstand understand me. It's not that it's a bad movie. It's not that bad of a movie, it's even just though not a good cat labor movie. Yeah, and even though that whole silent when the guys are doing the cat the canvassing around and it's all silent and stuff, you know, that was that was done like one too many times in this movie. It was it was cool at the first time that they did it, but I think like the one or two more times that they did it, I was a little annoyed. But yeah, it's not an awful movie. It's just kind of an okay movie, but it's not a good cat labor movie because it doesn't even seem like a pat labor movie even though just labor show up and then yeah it's just no good man back to you chris real talk well i'm gonna mention some things that some of you guys haven't um Mm. first of all although this movie was not directed by mamoru oshi it certainly channels his style yeah especially with the score by kenji Kawai, which i think is one of his best pieces of work on pat labor Mm mm-hmm and it definitely fits in with, as Paul mentioned, those um, montage scenes, like when the detectives are canvassing and doing that sort of stuff. And that didn't bother me because the music is just so good and it sets the mood so well that that wasn't a problem for me. The music, I, I know I have no problem with the soundtrack or anything. It's just, you know, the other stuff. So, yeah. And a lot of people hate this movie for the very reasons that uh, that Paul mentioned about SV2 being so marginalized. And what I would say to that in response is that, number one, it doesn't bother me because it's a way to see the same world through a different set of eyes. And number two, you know, if seeing everyone from SV2 is so important, that's what the other 99.9% of the franchise is for. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. And I will say, though, in agreement with Dalo, that I think it was a bit of a missed opportunity, like you guys mentioned, being introduced to these new characters we've never seen. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to have a detective story with an older, experienced detective and a younger partner, you already had that. You had Matsui and his partner. I think his name was uh, Kataoka. Yeah. yeah. Was, I, I don't understand why they didn't go with those guys instead of these two new dudes. I mean, picture how different this movie might have been if you got rid of Kusumi and Hata and then you just cut in and paste in uh, Matsui and his partner. It definitely would have felt more related to the Pat Labor that we know 
if those guys were in there and they're characters you already know and we could have seen more of what these characters do. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, if, if that was the case, I think I would have enjoyed it more because I get the point of seeing the world through a different set of eyes outside of SV2. But I think that's just the thing of having to get used to these guys and basically seeing that there were already two characters like this in this universe yeah. that we never really explored. But yet these guys get a whole movie. <laughs> it, it's almost like that they were might have wanted to go with those characters but decided to go with uh, new characters instead at the last second. I mean, has anybody read the side story just to see if it's actually the um, uh, Matsui and his partner in the roles of these characters? Or um... from what I understand of the manga, it's the both the movie adaptation and the OVA adaptation are pretty different from the story. So, uh-huh. um, didn't help that they never got that far in uh, the English version that Viz was doing. So I can't confirm that. Damn. Since Viz only did two volumes of the Palomar manga before they canceled it. Damn you, Viz. <laughs> so, I do it. All, all of that being said, uh, the things that I do enjoy about the movie, and I'll mention some more, I do have some problems with this movie, and the central one of it is mm-hmm. that this movie can't quite decide what it wants to be. Yeah. Because it's trying to be a couple of movies at once. It's... Uh, police procedural mixed with military conspiracy mixed with extraterrestrial origin mixed with kaiju movie mixed with robot movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) and there's just a few too many elements in this movie that complicate things unnecessarily like we didn't need to have there be this military conspiracy with the sdf and with america yeah that and that and the media right the meteorite. As soon as the meteorite, they start talking about that, I just like glazed over. I'm like, oh no! <laughs> it's the embodiment of the space flea from nowhere, man. Yeah, and the meteorite, another unnecessary thing. Why couldn't it have just been some genetically engineered monster, which we've had yeah. in the TV show anyway? Exactly. You know, just scientifically engineered monsters that go amok. And makes, even makes then, sense. it didn't even need that. Simply because we've dealt with monsters in the show before, and we've gotten no explanation for it either. So yeah. I do kind of agree with that point, yeah. On the uh, police procedural part, I mean, yeah, it's fairly typical the way they're working up their investigation. Uh, and, of course, you got the old school guy and the new school guy. Uh, what I did like was that um, unlike all of the prior Pat Labor productions, chronologically, this movie is was made at the time that it takes place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is wild <laughs> which is neat to see like you know the world of cell phones and modern computers in this uh, alternate future that never was versus the 80s vision of that when all of the stuff was made over a decade prior that's true that's so true. it kind of i like that it kind of grounds pat labor and makes it feel a bit more real because it's the actual real world rather than what they expected it would be in 1989 uh what i didn't like about the police procedural aspect was did we have to use the very tired old cliche of a detective getting romantically involved with yeah. uh, the woman he's investigating? That was hella yeah. coincidental. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I yes, meant. he did He did meet her before he knew that she was involved with the case, but what a hell of a coincidence. Yeah. And also, their relationship just wasn't really that well developed. No, it wasn't. And- you see them go on one or two dates. You never see any indication that they got uh, very close or even that they had sex. Yeah. And uh, Saeko, she's 
she's this tragic character, but I don't feel much for her because the whole movie, we see her as a person who is alive but not living. She's very flat. What yeah, I'm gonna she, get is, she has nothing to live for, and all that she does live for is keeping this creature alive, which uh, she has this mistaken belief is the rebirth of her daughter. daughter. Yeah. I mean, what annoyed me uh, towards the end is Hata, being the detective that he is, couldn't tell that she was going to be throwing her own life away. <laughs> At least somewhere during the um, the final battle, you know, standing on that 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 ledge. It's like, dude, you should be slapping her in irons at this point. <laughs> you should be putting <laughs> handcuffs on her because you know she's mentally disturbed. Um, well, he's young. <laughs> like you, the the indication that she's mentally disturbed should have been when he walked into her apartment, no doubt, saw the wall sized photo of her dead daughter. No, that woman was clocking at Kinko's son. <laughs> Maybe that he's just up. that blind. Yeah, damn, no, no, that, that's, it, that, that made no sense to me at all. I mean, he had, I know, he had maybe he's just was, that much of a greenhorn. He was clocking a grip on her pretty tightly, and then he just let her go. And maybe like, he thought that he could, was like, I could save her. Well, it was raining the whole time, so um, I guess that just made uh, made her have slippy, slippery fingers on him when he's trying to hold on to her. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm, not, so, I'm talking about before she actually fell over that thing. I'm talking about when he was holding her on the stairwell and she said, let me go. It's like, hell no. I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm handcuffing you to this railing. <laughs> well, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, true. So, um, yeah, definitely this movie does suffer from trying to be too many things at once. And if they had cut out, like, all of those scenes of the military conspiracy and the alien origin and instead focused more on the characters enveloping those characters and that relationship between Hata and Saiko, that would have worked better. Yeah, it would have it made more sense, yeah. You, you could have trimmed the fat and gotten to, to the meat of the story. And I think, I think it's one of those situations that this is kind of made early 2000s, so I think it's trying to, like, put all of, like, what was kind of hot around that time mm-hmm. into one movie to make it attractive to people. Because it, it seems very forced in a lot of this stuff. Because as soon as they bring up, like, this, oh, there was this meteorite that came, I'm like, really? This is, this is where we're going? This is just dumb. So and and why would the SDF or the American military want this mon- this useless monster? Yeah, I don't even get that. Yeah, it's just ugh. it never works when military organizations try to make make some sort of freaking monster. Just look at Umbrella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, monster or robot that never turns out right. They always turn on you. Okay, don't get out the robot tomes. This is in the time. No, I'm always. <laughs> another segment. They're always out. So, uh, gentlemen, um, ratings. We'll go around the table. Dalo, what, what rating would you give this? Uh, I give it three burnings out of five. Okay. Solbro? I would probably give it, uh, I'd give about three butterfingers out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Neil, what's, what's yours? I give it two and a half records out of five. <laughs> 45s. <laughs> hey, well, uh, I would give this... Three and a half monster boobs out of five. There you go. There you go. Exactly. I was wondering. I was wondering we we're gonna go this whole segment without them being mentioned, but <laughs> I was trying. I wasn't gonna mention them. That's for sure. Oh, I was definitely gonna mention them. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I, I see that scene. And I think of D and D. I'm sorry. <laughs> so unfortunately, like the rest of Pat Labor, this movie is out of print. So if you wanted to see it, you have to. Um, 
find it on the internet. And this was released by Pioneer, which went out of business a very long time ago. So I'm sure this stuff is pretty pricey now. And in particular, if you want to see Mini Pato, that was only included with the special edition release of this movie, which I have, which was about $60 at the time of release, although I didn't pay that at the time. And uh, I don't know how much it goes for now, but I can't I imagine it's not cheap. I would not so, be out of print. <laughs> yeah. Although uh, the special edition does have a lot of nice extra features uh, talking about the making of this movie. Uh, there's a documentary with Oshi talking about the making of Mini Pato. So if you can find it for cheap, uh, go for it. Otherwise, uh, well, there's methods. <laughs> Mysterious. Yes, mysterious <laughs> methods. The, in- the internets. <laughs> One might say. As La Flama Blanca would say. So with that, uh, that'll wrap up this segment and this entire subtopic that we've been doing for well over a year now. Wow. <laughs> Actually, I'm on, a, on a, I'm on eBay right now, and the movies aren't as expensive as you think. Oh, snap. Yeah, seven bucks for, like, Pat Labor Movie 2, and so... Well, but that's is that that's that's the uh, single disc issue, edition, not the uh, deluxe edition, I would presume. Yeah, it's. I mean, but yeah, I'm just kind of scanning it really quick. Yeah, but not as as expensive as we think. Even the limited collector's edition, new Pat Labor two, the movie DVD, two disc set, limited edition collector's edition, twelve ninety nine on eBay. <laughs> so, uh, we'll see if it stays that way. I might scoop that up. Movie three, uh, special edition anime DVD, twenty four ninety five. Oh, not bad. So, there you yeah, go. It's an average price. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, yes, the uh, the single the, the the actual single DVDs, not the special editions, are pretty inexpensive. But it doesn't seem like the special editions are that much more. So there you go. That, and this is brought to you by eBay. <laughs> well, there you go. So get them get them now before they eventually are expensive. Yes. Before they're all completely gone. So uh, we're going to put a close to this Pat Labor Roundup as to what our next Roundup series is. Well, we haven't decided that yet, so. <laughs> and we're going to put a close to our relationship with Dolo. We're gonna, <laughs> oh. It's been good, but uh, we're, just, we're, well, just have, we're moving forward in a different direction, so we're just going to have to let you go. Cut me off. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll just uh, send him back to the uh, slave pit to work on those oh. uh, compilation specials. Yes, uh, uh, MHQ Foxcom. Yeah, like last year, Gundam Con. <laughs> yeah, you get back to work and and you crank out those specials and and you don't complain and we won't pay you. I won't complain, but I do enjoy it. I'll say that much. So it's not too much of a hassle. So yes, for the next roundup. When we know what it is, you'll know what it is. And in closing, I'd like to uh, thank Dalo for having joined us in uh, several of these segments. You definitely added to the discussion. Thanks. I appreciate you inviting me. So it was nice to be on Gundam. Absolutely. No problem. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. 
Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every goddamn word I have to say! That's right, cower! Be afraid! Die knowing you lost to someone who really knows how to use a mobile suit! He wants me to retreat. Time to attack! Damn. I feel the vision sucks. Eleanor! Right here. I need to depend on your ear. That's fine. Leave it to me. Rock and roll, you're under my command now. Oh, God, help team. You've got something to say? Uh, nothing whatsoever, sir. Xander! Yeah? The second you start thinking of him as a regular Zeke, he'll be dead. Uh, really? This guy is better than any of us. About time for a real fight. Oh, hiding in the dust. Very considerate of him to give me an escape route. He's coming right for you! Damn it! Son of a bitch! Not there? You have my friends. I've got him now, Karen! I've got a lot! Overhead! 649 by 23! Unit 301, fire! One left. Good work, Delador! <laughs> this is getting fun now! Now it's your turn! Well, that looked impressive. Now say goodbye to your tank. No, you don't! I better throw in a few more tricks. Huh? Out of ammo? It's over now. My left arm is out of action. Ha! Pretty good reflexes. Not bad for a Betty. But I bet you're not ready for this! Your good vision ah. is your fatal weakness! Where's the main circuit, damn it? Ah. Ah. Why don't you shoot? <laughs> Just finish me for God's sake! It's time I stop playing games with you. What'll it be? Here he comes, Sanders. Right. You gonna fire on me while the pilot's still alive? Come on, hands. Stay steady. My friends. Do I really care if they get out of this alive? Right now, all that fighting for my friends talk is sounding ridiculous. All I know is I'm really scared. So you're awake, huh? Not gonna live! Mariana! You're the one that... And we'll grow old together! Yeah. The commander? <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> so, I've met Miss Ina's petty lover. <laughs> Life can be real fun, but I won't be stopped! Damn it, no! Victory is mine! <laughs> well, Miss Ina? The Kurgan will have to leave without me. I have found the place where I am to die. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. On upcoming superhero movies. Scott, I'm gonna punch you in the face. Why? <laughs> because there is another movie that we must discuss. Oh, what's that? Man of Steel. Oh, Man of Steel. Okay, okay there's someone to say that. Here's my thoughts on Man of Steel. It's Zack Snyder directing Kryptonian on Kryptonian violence. And as much as I'm annoyed that they're recycling a Superman villain we've already seen on screen, and that there are plenty of Superman villains we could talk about... But he was the best Superman villain. This is going to be the best Dragon Ball Z movie ever. <laughs> I have no frame of reference for, dra for Dragon Ball Z. Please check our website at SBO.
Boy, it's lucky you had these compartments. Use them for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in them. This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Goddamn fool, I knew that you were gonna say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? to Gundam at MAHQ. We're bringing the force to you this, this segment as we uh, finally get into some breaking news that happened uh, in between the, the last episode we did and this one. Um, apparently, the world came to... Uh, hell froze over and uh, Disney acquired Lucasfilm. And um, for more details on this, I'm going to turn it over to our newsman, Neo, to uh, relay to us the story as to uh, how things went down between... Uh, between Disney and their acquisition of Lucasfilm. Yes, Destination Burbank, California, San Francisco, California, October 30th, 2012. Break, continuing its strategy of delivering actual, delivering exceptional creative content to audiences around the world. The Walt Disney Corporation has agreed to acquire Lucasfilms Limited in a stock and cash transaction. Lucasfilm is 100% owned by Lucasfilm chairman and founder George Lucas. Oh my God. Oh, the humanity. Back to you, Soul Pro. <laughs> that news. <laughs> that news was actually submitted to Neo's news thread. Um, uh, yeah, it's actually it's, it's actually a press release. It's, part of, it's the beginning of press release from Walt Disney talking about this. So there was other things in there talking about like what they exchanged and all that. But basically, for all intents and purposes, it's now Disney is going to acquire Lucasfilm. So. Absolutely, and um, that that news was actually submitted by our guest host this segment, uh, none other than uh, MechaTalk.net's own Bush, Mr. Bushido, who uh, we all know as a, an avid fan of Star Wars. He's actually a member of the Five O First troop that uh, all they all uh, cosplay as different uh, stormtroopers and, and other characters from the Star Wars universe. And uh, tell everybody what's up, Mr. Bushido. Hey guys, what's going on? Hey man, welcome to the podcast. And How has your world changed, <laughs> Oh man, you can see Vader. October thirtieth, two thousand twelve is one of those. It's 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 almost like you know the day of nine. Where were you at nine eleven? Kennedy got shot and stuff like that, right? For a Star Wars fan. <laughs> it's the day when a million fanboys cry no. out, "No!" <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wrote on. I wrote on Facebook. Mass suicide. <laughs> mass suicide uh, from Star Wars fans predicted <laughs> in light of this news, and um, because you know lately when uh, when news breaks about Star Wars, a lot of the old school part of the community has knee jerk reactions that are just hilarious and yet sad. And um, you know, instead of trying to think of the ramifications of uh, 
of, of, of what of what a deal or a uh, a change in the uh, in their favorite franchise might actually bring them. But um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Mr. Bushido, and we wanted to have Mr. Bushido in this uh, conversation as we talk about just the events that played out with the acquisition and how uh, the long-term effects of this are going to be. But uh, before we get into that, I wanted to talk about some of the uh, initial reactions that we and other people had in light of this news. And um, some of the positive reactions are from some people that you might know. Uh, Kevin what about Smith. Our, what, what, what about our initial reaction? Oh, no. Uh, Screw definitely. Kevin Smith. Well, we're we're, 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 yeah. we're, we're going to get to us. I just wanted to, uh, I just want to read some of their, their tweets really quick. Uh, Kevin Smith writes, uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far away, I was told there'd be nine Star Wars movies. 35 years later, the last three are finally happening. So, you know, he was really positive about that. Um, Zachary Levi, who is also known as Chuck uh, in that sitcom, uh, he writes, For anyone worried about Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm, don't be. They've continuously proved themselves to make great entertainment. Um, C.W. Gabriel, who you probably know as Gabe from um, the Penny Arcade comics, he's one of the artists for Penny Arcade. He writes, I'm so happy about the Disney Star Wars news. I've always figured Star Wars would be reinvigorated, but I thought I'd be an old man. And um, one of uh, Chris's and my favorites uh, people on Twitter and just in general, Paul Dini, who was uh, involved in the production of Batman the Animated Series, he writes, My thoughts on the Disney-Lucas merger? Finally, one step closer to Willow 2. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so he writes that. And um, now on to some of the negative thoughts. And I'll let uh, Chris read some of the... Uh, the choice negative uh, tweets that I came that we came across during the time the news broke. All right, uh, here we have uh, one user who wrote, "Lucasfilm will be a classic forever." I really can't believe Disney has bought it. Gotta be said, it has ruined everything. <laughs> hashtag LucasArts. Hashtag Rage. Rage. <laughs> Some, someone else um, said, "Remember, it's not just Star Wars." It's all Lucasfilm properties. And you thought the last Indiana Jones was bad. Uh, someone else opined, I'm sad to see George Lucas, who had such great ideals about filmmaking when he started Star Wars, abandon them for money many years later. What? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> clearly that, that tweet must have been sent from like 1977. Yes. That, that really mind up me. When I, <laughs> was Twitter around in 1977? <laughs> it was apparently. Guess so. Guess so. Uh, someone else said, <clears throat> I feel a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of happy childhoods suddenly cried out in terror. Disney is making a new Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> and here, I think, is the, the creme de la creme. Anybody that's happy about Disney buying Lucasfilm and announcing the next Star Wars is an idiot. They obviously don't know what it is to be a fan. <laughs> I take offense to that. Oh, clearly, my God. yes. It's it's someone who, um, when when in doubt and you need to troll, just fall back on the anyone who disagrees with me is not a true fan. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's just people just I'm not really taking the time to process this and um looking at the pros and how would you cons. process anything when as as a as an idiot you have to have uh, an instantaneous gut reaction to everything <laughs> that is a uh, that is the way of the internet nowadays and that's uh something that we especially gotta... especially when especially when something is unknown mm-hmm. and you can't base anything on it it's like just immediately you know trash it because it's going to be bad just because i can't figure it out so 
Well, we got to curb stop, curb stop that one, one troll at a time. And that's the, the mission statement of Gundam. But, um, I was wondering what were our re- initial reactions? And I'm going to ask our guest on the segment, Mr. Bushido, when you heard about this news, what did you first think about, uh, uh, uh what first came to your mind? And, um, what, how did you feel about it? Did you, did you, did you mess your plastic armor? <laughs> No, my armor costs way too much for me to destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a bad move. Yeah, I could imagine, right? Yeah. But um but yeah, so I found out about this news actually on Facebook. Um I was in class, pretty boring, so I'm just looking through my feeds and um the five oh first fan page actually shared that article Ooh. and I read that. So <laughs> I already knew people were gonna blow up everywhere, so and they did. But for me personally, um, I think this is actually a good thing because, you know, Star- you saw what happened to the prequels. Yeah. They were crap. <laughs> Pretty they bad. They were absolute crap. Yeah. So, and they were, they were all in the hands of Lucas. This way, at least, we it has a chance to be good. It could still be crap. Who knows? But it's a, it, ha- it has a chance now. And, and there, Would you say there's them. light at the end of the tunnel? I guess I that would be. Yeah. I wouldn't follow the light at the end of the tunnel, but <laughs> <laughs> but th- there's a chance it could be good. Yeah. yeah. All right on. Well, um, Chris, what were your uh, initial reactions to this um, to this uh, exciting news? It's the end of the world. Oh man, that's not Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Trolls back. What are you talking about? Of course I am. <laughs> oh no, oh, no. He's de-evolved. <laughs> Everything sucks that I don't like. <laughs> this is not Chris. He's much more open-minded than that. Are you the embodiment of 4chan? <laughs> you could say so. Oh, my gosh. Brought to, brought, brought to a, uh, the actual walking, talking persona, man. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, I was online, as usual, and I just suddenly saw an explosion in my Twitter feed of all this talk of Disney and Lucasfilm and um, it was crazy and I was like what is this just like crazy fanboy shit but then I saw a tweet from Lee Unkrich the director of Toy Story 3 talking about it I was like well that must make it pretty legit if this guy's mentioning it (laughs) (laughs) and then you know I I went and I jumped over to uh, my, my first movie news source slash film and uh yeah they they had a post about it's like well holy shit so my initial reaction to this was exactly the same as my reaction to their purchase of marvel three years ago Mm -hmm. and that was this is the best thing that could have happened to them yeah Yeah. because the biggest problem with star wars ever since 1997 has been george lucas yeah because as that uh news report mentioned he was the sole shareholder of Lucasfilm. He was the boss. He was the very top. He was the end of the line. And no one would ever tell him otherwise what he should or shouldn't do. <laughs> like, say, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, God, no. You know, the, 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 the quality control that you would have at a movie studio for some of these ideas that are just really bad did not mm. exist because who's going to tell him that he can't do that? He's, yeah. the, he's the guy who's writing and directing and financing these damn movies. Yeah, and it, it, he practically filmed the prequels under a hermetically sealed situation where, you know, no one could give him input and no one could check him on any of the wild ideas he had or ideas that wouldn't work. Or it didn't seem to yeah. be a collaborative effort. So, yeah, because yeah. Fox was just doing distribution. They had no control 
over these movies at all. So yeah, he's there's no one to tell him. So he's self-financed. So it's prequel yeah. movies, right? Oh, yeah. Out of yeah, yeah, Ever since uh, Jedi, they're self-financed. Oh, yeah. Starting with Jedi. So, yeah, there's no one to tell him, uh, hey, let's, let's have someone, like, look at your script. Let's have someone polish your script because from his perspective, it's like, well, my stuff is the best. Why would anyone touch my stuff? <laughs> Clearly, I know what I'm doing. It's my franchise. Hey, I wrote Star Wars. You know? Yeah. There's actually, re- there's actually a reason behind that because back when he was making the original trilogy, his, uh, back when he made, when he made his uh, first movies, like was it American Graffiti and stuff like that, the yeah. studios would want to tamper with his work so much that he just became very, um, I guess, uh, very hands-on with his work. So he doesn't yeah. want to touch Which anything. Which is a good thing, but yeah. it's also no coincidence that the best Star Wars movie ever made was the one that he didn't write. Yeah. Empire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, sometimes you need a filter. Now that filter is there because Lucasfilm is now just a cog in the vast corporate machine that is Disney and he is stepping down because Kathleen Kennedy will now be the president of Lucasfilm and he's going off in retirement and giving his four billion away to education. So, you know, I saw the reaction immediately from people like, Oh, this is horrible and blah 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 and it's ruined. It's like, yeah, but Star Wars was already ruined. <laughs> could, it's could, called one, two and three. Oh my yeah, god. Could, could Disney had possibly could could Disney commercialize it any more than it already has been? Yeah, that that was a weird thing to me when I saw the reactions. Is like this this blatant complaining. Oh, they're going to commercialize it. I'm like, what? <laughs> or the other one is the uh, oh, it's Disney. They're going to kidify everything. Oh wow, I, more so than it is now. <laughs> yeah, which which is you know, I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, man, look back at Marvel. Uh, you know, it was it was so uh, it was so crazy how in uh, in Iron Man two, Iron Man was fighting uh, Pete, who who had this like Iron Man suit, and um, you know, in the Avengers, it, it was it was crazy when uh, Mickey Mouse came out with uh, that bow and arrow to help uh, cover Hawkeye. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, or or in uh, Captain America when Goofy was Red Skull. I mean, that was just crazy. Who knew? It's like, and then it's like, oh wait, none of those things happened. Damn, <laughs> you know. So all, it's like it was pretty much word for word, like just the same blind uh, gut reaction, raving stuff. You could take those comments from three years ago. You scratch out Marvel, cut and paste yeah. Lucasfilm. Yeah, pretty much, absolutely. It, but the thing it, is, it shouldn't have even happened because we have the benefit of having seen what has happened to Marvel the last three years under Disney, which is. Everything's going better for them now. I mean, oh, look yeah. at the Avengers. And the argument that Disney would kidify things, I mean, that's just a ridiculously uh, wrong misconception. I mean, yes, they have all of their Pixar movies and they have all of their animated movies, but that Disney um, is not necessarily Disney of today because they've been putting out violent live-action movies under their Walt Disney Pictures name and not Touchstone for many years. I mean, look yeah. at the four Pirates movies yeah. or Prince of Persia. Or Tron Legacy, or yeah. John Carter. They used to own Miramax too. So, and they put out really racy yeah, but, films. Yeah, but yeah, but what he's saying is they're doing it under the Disney under the Walt now. Disney name yeah. because before yeah. all of the violent live action would be movies Miramax and stuff would yeah. be thrown under Miramax or Touchstone. That's true. That's true. But because they wanted to have the Walt Disney Pictures brand be family friendly. Well, family friendly now is PG thirteen. But it's just a ridiculous notion that uh that they're gonna kidify everything because well it hasn't happened with Marvel and uh George Lucas already did a pretty good job of kidifying Star Wars with the prequel trilogy. And the Clone Wars and, cartoon. Oh. And uh 
also people who were shocked by this uh this announcement why would you be i mean i was at uh, epcot a few weeks ago and just the stunning amount of star wars merchandise there and at downtown disney and the fact that you've got star tours in hollywood studios that was just rehabbed you know disney and and lucasfilm have had very very long running partnership for many decades with uh, merchandise and rides so yeah. why wouldn't this happen to me it was a case it wasn't a matter of if, it was when. a matter of when. Yeah. yeah, because they've had they've had Star Wars weekend at Disney World and Disneyland for how many years? And before that they um they collaborated on Captain EO. So, you know, it, that was a, a, a joint project between Right, but, yeah, but yeah. saying, though, when it comes to Star Wars, yeah, no, we're, talk, we're talking Star Wars here. Oh, and I, 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 I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I no, Captain just, EO. Uh, Lucas, Lucas, I, I know what you're saying. have been working hand-in-hand hand for yeah. quite some and time. And Star Wars, way back the original version was around many, many years yeah. ago. So this is not a surprise at all. And it makes perfect sense for Disney because their slate of live-action films recently have not at all done well if they don't have pirates in the title yeah or avengers <laughs> i'm talking about oh, they're actual yeah they're yeah, actual they're actual right. stuff not marvel because yeah. prince of persia did okay yes. but they were expecting that to be a new pirate and it didn't turn out that way mm-hmm. tron they dumped tons of money into and it did okay but again they did not get back their investment on that and john carter as we know Ooh. was a complete bomb <laughs> take that gambit <laughs> shame but yeah, if if it's not uh, pirates or something animated, yeah, they they haven't really had a real windfall or you know a real just overblown hit um, from out of their studio um, outside of those uh, those select few movies. But uh, any any uh, any other initial thoughts, Chris? Uh, I'll save the rest for when we uh, dive into the other bullet points on our discussion. Right on, right on. Well, Neo, man, how did you feel when when, well, the, when the atomic bomb blew up? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think you and Chris. Where know. were you at the end of the world? <laughs> well, I was I was actually in New England. Oh. <laughs> I was in the Boston area. That's right. That, that was last week, and and both you and Chris uh, know because the, when I found out is when I sent you guys that email, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so um, I was surprised. I, I you know I'm not always the biggest uh, watcher when it comes to stuff in you know movies or entertainment and stuff like that. But I, I got back to my room and I was like just going through seeing some stuff and I was like holy shit, um, Lucasfilm and I actually did a double take because it was like I think it was on like CNBC and they had, they hadn't there. I'm like wait a second. Let me let me just go to a couple other things because I I don't know why because I was I almost kind of <laughs> thought it was like kind of a trolling thing but then as I went to every other like news site New York Times all these things are like oh my god you know so and I'm along with um, Chris and everyone else I, I think you know hey yeah you know this 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 blatant crazy um, you know knee jerk reaction to it. I don't really get it because if you're going to sit here and say um, uh, that they're going to do worse than the last three prequel movies, hmm, that, that's saying something right there. I mean, <laughs> and, and, and we've seen with Disney how they've dealt with the Avengers. And I, I, I would I would say that right along this thing. It's like, you know, OK, if this had happened like three years ago and, the, and Marvel wasn't purchased, then maybe I could see some of the apprehension. Mm-hmm. That's 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 the case. But we saw that they purchased Marvel. 
they did all these movies. They're doing these other movies. They put out the Avengers. Every every person and his dog loved the Avengers. Yeah, and I mean, even people that didn't even aren't even comic people love this movie. So especially it's like, uh, fans of the Anti Hulk. Yes, <laughs> especially fans of the. Anti-Hulk. And you know what? I even heard the Anti Hulk himself is a big fan of the Avengers. Well, all right. So, yeah, I mean that, that's what I heard. But the thing is, is like you know the some of these just awful excuses like i'm sorry i am now putting an abolishment on this is killing my childhood if i hear and the next person that says that i think i might punch him in the face because i'm I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how you know dumb stuff from your childhood is getting remade into a movie and that's killing your childhood because you know what that's killing your childhood you had a crappy childhood because you were probably you know a little bastard or something like that. Ooh. It doesn't. It doesn't I, change. I will fully anything. support this. <laughs> I, 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 I will, I will echo change, your statement. It doesn't change anything that happens. So please, just stop. It's killing my childhood. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. But the thing is, uh, Disney's got deep pockets. They have the ability to sometimes step out of the box and allow people to do a different take on things like Chris and Solbro and uh, Mr. Bushido said I mean there's been these other movies that are you know when it comes to the violence and stuff and not being a real kiddie movie we, we've seen lately that they're not doing that so I mean come on and for all you Star Wars fans that have been bitching and complaining for the last 10 to 15 years with these prequels and stuff wouldn't this be the shining light that you wanted Yes. I mean, that, that's the question I have to ask is I, I hear all you bastards. I watched the people versus George Lucas, that film, and I heard every one of these idiots that sit there and they bitch and complain about George Lucas as they sit behind, as they sit in front of their, you know, their, uh, their shrine to George Lucas because they'll buy every freaking figurine <laughs> or, or, or model kit that he's, I hate George Lucas. He's such a bastard. He's so <laughs> Well, oh my God! There's now the Darth Vader with the clear glowing head. Oh, you know. AKA the the battered wife syndrome. Yeah, the battered wife syndrome. So battered I'm, wife I'm, fans. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I, you know, I have stated many a times on uh, on Gundam here that my favorite one's Empire, and I I love this because. But the thing is, is you know, one of the the initial reaction after kind of processing this is like, wow, maybe we can get all of the original versions of these movies on Blu-ray now. <laughs> you know, yeah. the one thing that everybody wanted. I mean, you know, all of this stuff, mate, you know, because you, you know that Disney's going to redo the Blu-ray releases of these movies. Oh, hell yes. So, yeah. Yep. So uh, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, wow, I would love to see a Blu-ray release of my of Empire Strikes Back. I mean, so I, I, I think anybody that's bitching and complaining about this, you're just doing it because you're a hateful little bastard. And not hateful in the good general way, but it's just a hateful little troll. So back to you, Solpro. Well, damn. Well said, Neil. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I guess as for me, um, I was actually uh, I was on CNN uh, looking up news on uh, Hurricane Sandy, and then the news just just came out of nowhere about the. You got hit by thing. a totally different hurricane. Oh my god! Punched right in the face by by a gust of a gust of nerd wind, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. I, I was like, whoa, whoa, what? Disney just bought Lucasfilm? Get the f out of here! That's nuts. So you know, I go to Google News and I, I just I type in you know the search term. And I just pull up a ton of articles. Facebook and Twitter, of course, are blowing up. It was pure entertainment to watch Twitter all day long <laughs> and the reactions from people. And um, just going Same on with Facebook. Facebook. Oh, yeah. Absolute Facebook was also just it was pure entertainment every which way possible. But my own reactions, man, I initially thought positive as well. 
I'm not a, I'm not crazy about as I've said this all the time. I'm not I'm not a Star Wars fan, but um I respect the series and I respect what it's um inspired and a lot of people who whose works I do like were heavily inspired by Star Wars. So there's a connection there, you know, it's it's abstract but it's there. And um when this news broke, I just was the first thing that came to mind is like, finally we might get a collaborative effort from some of the people that we actually enjoy. Uh, whose works we enjoy that might get a shot at doing something Star Wars related, whether it be a movie, a TV series, an animated series, whatever. You know, this finally branches out um, to allow Star Wars to break into other mediums and fill out the universe. So, you know, my, I might actually become a Star Wars fan in full because someone else that I enjoy might become involved with it. And then in turn, I'll follow their work and get involved with it, too. So, you know, I, I see rich potential here. Yeah, it can go south, and I thought about the negatives too. And you know, there's things that Disney uh, could do that could be dickish. Um, I, I know that if you get a type like Michael Eisner in 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 the in the CEO seat of Disney, um, again, he could be a complete dick and just run the series that, into the ground. Not, but not the case. It's not. It's not the. It's too yeah. soon to tell. I mean, you got you got. When I heard that uh, Kathleen Kennedy um, was it Kathleen Kennedy. Yes. Um, she got um she Who is she, this person? She, she's been an executive producer on a lot of Spielberg's movies and some of George okay. Lucas's. So she's had a long time collaboration with both both Lucas and Spielberg. So when I heard she got um um elected to be the person in charge of Lucasfilm under Disney, I thought that was a really good thing and uh, I can't really think of too many things that are bad except for what could go wrong and I don't think that's going to is going to go wrong anytime out the gate but um overall I think it's solid. But can it get worse than Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> and, can and, exactly. And and, and uh, Greedo shot first. I, I, I challenge. Can it get worse than that? I mean, Mr. Prosciutto as, as yeah as a as a as a as a uh, you know pretty pretty good size Star Wars fan. Could it get really worse than that? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Jar Jar is the epitome of the worst thing that ever happened to Star Wars. Yeah. It's so painful just to see him every single time. Even in the cartoons, he is painful to watch. So, yeah. uh, and that's saying a lot. When it comes down to it, um, I challenge any naysayer of this merger to go and watch, um, and we've mentioned this on the show before, go, go and watch the review of the prequels by Red Letter Media on YouTube and see how he breaks it down and how Lucas just pretty much suffocated that trilogy to see this, to see his, uh, his licenses now out of his, out of his steel grip and in the hands of Disney where they can actually dole out the work to very creative people and people who are willing to collaborate like he was back in the day. Uh, is an amazing thing and if you go watch those reviews you'll see what i'm talking about and maybe you'll look at this in a, in a different light um uh, outside of that that's my those are my initial impressions of what happened when the news broke um it, it, we talked about a lot of pros and cons about the acquisition um i'll go ahead and i'll go to i'll go to neo first this time uh i know that you look can look at this under a financial light when it comes to uh the financial uh, b uh, pros and cons of this acquisition. Um, what are your thoughts on on what could be um, positive or negative about this for Disney? Well, uh, financially, how much did they? Uh, it was what four billion? It's four billion in four stock. Billion. Four point zero five. Yep. Actually, I think if I, I mean, I think Disney got away with the freaking steal here. <laughs> I mean, financially, they bought Marvel for the same amount, and this costs way less than what they paid for Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, is as great you know as 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 great as Marvel has been with the ex exposure for the last couple of years, 
is still not Star Wars. It's still not in the lexicon of American culture yeah. and, and things like this. So, I mean, I think... Culture? On, on, <laughs> <laughs> Dennis is around. Oh, I think no, you I know the most about Jedi culture. <laughs> <laughs> Space oh wizards. <laughs> But but the, but the thing about it is is they they made it they, this is a killing because you know I don't care what anybody says when this episode seven movie comes out which is supposed to be like what two thousand fifteen or so oh yeah right around the corner it's, practically it's gonna match or might exceed what we saw with um, the Avengers movie it'll it, be the most rubberneck movie of all time yeah yes. <laughs> yeah it, it will be so I mean on that aspect I think. That for Disney, oh my God, they couldn't write the check fast enough. <laughs> well, and you know what the funny thing about that is, um, they and they said so in their valuation of Lucasfilm of what they thought was a good price to pay, mm-hmm. that was based solely on Star Wars. They didn't even factor in the value of Indiana Jones. Yeah, so which is also theirs now. What about Willow? <laughs> that too. <laughs> and Howard the Duck. Oh shit. And but they already own Marvel, so hell yeah. But, you They're know, everything. When, when it comes to a financial thing, I mean, Disney, uh, Disney, you know, George Lucas had a really good distribution network for all his licensed products and stuff. Yeah. But Disney's got Disney's network. So, it, I mean, they're probably going to they're going to make money hand over fist on this. And I, I, th- I think financially, this this was just the smartest thing for everyone. Uh, it, it was the smartest thing. Lucas got out because it looks like. It seems like he's just a tired old man with this now. He's, I think he's just done with with everything. And for Disney, they're just going to be able to do everything. And let's be honest, how cool are some of these things going to show up? Where in maybe one of the Disney theme parks, we're going to have instead of you know just like Star Tours or these these short little Star Wars weekends, you might have actual uh, large rides based on things from different Star Wars movies. That's going to well, be Well, you cool. know they've already got that on the drawing oh, boards for like a Jesus. whole Star Wars land. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, Which, it's... According to rumors I've heard would be at Hollywood Studios. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Man. It's a no-brainer. Look out, it's, Orlando. It's a it's an <laughs> absolute no-brainer. So I, th- I think financially... It helped all parties, but it, it's just going to make Disney even better. And the thing is, is Disney gets more money, and that means they can invest it into their other properties. So, I mean, that means you can get more Marvel stuff, more Pixar, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I think it's just a win-win. All right. Well, um, you know, Kramer would say sell, 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 sell. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it to Chris next. Uh, any, any pros or any cons you can think of with, when it comes to this acquisition that we I mean, haven't I mentioned yet? I don't see any cons at all. And from the financial aspect, I read a story. I think it was on CNBC or Forbes. I don't remember that Disney estimated that had Lucasfilm kept making Star Wars movies from 2005 up through now that each of those movies would have made through box office, home video, and merchandising $1.2 billion. Ooh, Jesus. Oh. That's Jim Cameron money. <laughs> <laughs> so just think, uh, think about it because, you know, Star Wars as a filmed property, a live-action film property, has pretty much languished mm-hmm. over the decades, yeah. especially since the prequel trilogy of all these missed opportunities. And you look at a franchise like Star Trek that has – 
live action movies every few years. Well, why can't Star Wars? Yeah, it's it, it, taking Star Trek into example where it took the death of uh, <laughs> it took the death of Roddenberry for that for that uh, that universe to expand and multiple spinoffs and things like that. Um, now, you know, Lucas didn't have to die to see this happen. Well, that would have happened anyway without Roddenberry because he didn't have any rights. So he could have complained all he wanted, but there still would have been DS9 and Voyager and all of these shows, even if he were alive. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but he sold all of his rights early on. Oh, damn. (laughs) I guess Lucas was the smart one and kept a tight grip on that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, financially for Disney, there is that. Now there's also for them the big coup coup de gras here is theme park integration because one thing is to have you know a ride here and there in partnership with someone that you're splitting the money with Mm -hmm. the other thing is to have it completely under your umbrella and you know there's going to be a star wars land somewhere again rumors that i've read indicated it'll be hollywood studios but that's just this corner of the world there's going to be a disneyland opening up in shanghai in 2015 yeah, that's right Could what else happens there. in 2015 oh episode 7 <laughs> coincidence you can be sure they're probably going to be sticking some star wars thing in there they're probably going to have some type of star wars things at a bunch of disneyland's around oh, they'll, the world. They'll, they'll fit they'll fit it in no matter what yeah yeah pretty much um the other things that have not been talked about too much is they now also own LucasArts, the game company. That is true. Yeah. And LucasArts, I'm sorry to say, in the last few years has become just a sad shadow of its former self. Yeah, the Force Unleashed is, the, is a definite. Is uh, <laughs> something that um, the game showed a lot of promise, but ended up being you know falling on its face two well, times. Forget just the Force Unleashed. Yeah. Uh, I remember the the LucasArts of the '90s that used to make crazy, wacky, awesome, yeah. weird games. Yeah, Monkey Island, Maniac Monkey Mansion. Monkey Island, Sam and Max. Mm-hmm. Maniac Mansion. and uh, Maniac other... Mansion, Full Throttle. Oh, yeah. Grim Fandango. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was them. Un- Damn, I forgot about that. Yeah, because they used to make good name, good games until Lucas ruined them by starting in 1999, just making them a Star Wars game factory. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a damn shame. They killed off a lot of creativity in, uh, in their own house. They could have created new IPs, which can kind of, they did. Uh, Maniac Mansion was a TV series, a bad one, but it would, it branched out to be a TV series. Um, and, you know, some of the other properties could have branched out to be other things too, if they just, just kept feeding, uh, creativity into their studio. But yeah, so we can, we can get some better, uh, LucasArts games mm-hmm. now. Another thing that's uh, not been mentioned much is that Disney now owns ILM and Skywalker Sound. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Which will still keep operating and, and making you know special effects for movies from every studio. But it certainly saves Disney some money because now they've got this effects company in-house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, ILM are the masters of special effects for live-action movies. So Absolutely. Instead of having to hire them, you own them. <laughs> that's what i'm saying i mean fixing so Dis- much easier Dis- disney made out like a bandit on this yeah i mean just the fact that they paid four billion for marvel and got a billion dollars box office growth from the avengers mm-hmm. has already that, that has already proven that that investment paid off and i think that uh by the time we reach episode seven this investment will have already paid off or or be close to paying itself yeah. off pretty much there's yeah. rumblings uh there's rumblings that uh that um disney might be buying hasbro next because uh 
uh, I guess the connection to the, the the Star Wars toys and whatnot. Um, I, I, that I think true? that's just a crazy rumor because mm-hmm. if you notice, um, these acquisitions of Marvel and Lucasfilm were done in total secrecy and out of nowhere, out of the view of the public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they there there were no rumors in advance that Disney was buying Marvel. Disney just yeah. bought Marvel. Yeah, it just it just the news hit like a fucking anvil. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, there, yeah <laughs> and, and there were there were no rumors in advance that uh, Disney was going to buy Lucasfilm. They were had their secret talks, and then they just did it. So yeah. for people to say now that they're out there going after Hasbro, I think that's just like crazy rumors just to uh, to get hits on blogs. So I don't I don't really buy that now unless uh, some more concrete information comes along. And besides. Disney doesn't need anyone to uh, to make toys for them. <laughs> they can do it themselves. That is true. I mean, it, it is neat to see the master of merchandising team up with the masters of marketing, which is Disney, and uh, to see where that's going to go. Is well, this, Disney's nuts. a D- Disney's a master of merchandising themselves yeah, and but, marketing. Yeah, so yeah. They, uh, they, they've Lu- already got Lucas. I mean, Lucas definitely was a pioneer in that, though. You got to give it up to him. I mean, he was a pioneer in it, but I yeah. think you know Disney. Disney's just as as strong as he is on that. I mean, all all it really comes down to is Disney's just really bringing in a, an IP for them to you know to he just use. Just bought a big name. That's all. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, Chris, any other uh, any other thoughts before I uh, I I um I I transition on to uh, Mr. Bushido? No. All right, Mr. Bushido. I know you and I. Uh, we we got into a short discussion um, online not too long ago about this, and you were mentioning there were some cons that might affect the um, might affect the fan base for Star Wars, um, and might come close to home for you. Um, would you Would you mind talking about that, or if you want, you can go into some of the pros first and then that. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Um, so a lot of the pros is pretty much stuff that you guys have already uh, mentioned mm-hmm. good better movies uh more uh, because because we we work so close with uh lucas films even though we're just a fan um a, a costume fan club right we get a lot of benefits from lucas films and uh, i guess maybe because my garrison uh golden gate garrison which is up in um northern california because we're right near his headquarters we get more benefits like we get special screenings to um like pr- like the premieres for the Clone Wars cartoon and the finales, Man. we get a bunch. We get a bunch of those, and we meet we meet a lot of the um, the staff that works behind them, like Dave Filoni, the creator of uh, Clone Wars. You get to meet um, like Ashley Eckstein, who was uh, Ahsoka Tano, hmm. uh, and recently Sam Witwer, who is now the voice of Darth Maul. Yeah, that's right. And he was he was also Star Killer in the games. So there's a lot of positives. Like like the people just they, they a lot of them have been wait, waiting to see the next trilogy after Jedi and now they can finally see it before they die. Cause let's face it, this costume club <laughs> is pretty much, you, you have to have a good job to be in this club pretty much. Cause getting armor is expensive. This is not oh, for, like, it, it is not for teens. So, <laughs> but yeah, so, but there's a lot of cons here too. Like there's actual, there's a legitimate concern about what might what might happen to the Bible first, because even even before Disney bought um, Lucasfilms, our 501st, uh, the 501st Legion, the Rebel Legion, and the Mandalorian mercenaries, because we exist, we were already infringing upon Lucasfilm piracy um, policies. But right. but he turns a blind eye because we do charity work, we do a lot of things that are nonprofit. We are um, what was it? What's the word? 
we're promoting Star Wars and people love us. So that's why he turns a blind eye. I don't know how Disney's going to approach this because I heard – I'm not entirely too sure. It is all just um, what I heard. Maybe you guys can verify on that. But I heard that Disney is very, very anal about their uh, their copyright stuff. They've had they've had the track record of being so. Yes. So so yeah. So there's actually legitimate complaints on that, and our our legion commanders, um, the, our staff members that are in charge of the file first as it, in its entirety, they've been talking with Mary Franklin, who is the um, Lucasfilm fan event specialist. Mm-hmm. She, this is a quote that she released to us. Sorry to be brief, but I am setting up a big company meeting Q&A at the moment. The costume Star Wars fan community and all Star Wars fans are vital to Lucasfilm and Star Wars. Our relationship is very, very important. So please know that we are carrying on business as usual and you can continue to contact me as as you always have. So because of that, there's actually, that's actually a good sign that we might still be able to keep doing what we're doing. But they could easily change tomorrow or next week. We just aren't too sure about that. Well, here's 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 my question to you. This fear is this founded on any uh, actual legitimate um, concern, or is it just uh, sky is falling speculation of innuendos and what ifs and maybes? Like, is there any cause for concern, like that Disney would actually you know do this and, uh, and go and destroy this community that has been built up? for so many years and uh, is so well known it's probably people just having the knee-jerk reactions most likely yeah. um there has been there was one guy on the Bible first boards who did post up um the disney anti-piracy policies and didn't mention didn't mention that like i said before that our clubs already just because we exist we are already infringing upon lucas films yeah but so that was all yeah. that was already happening so well and also, I haven't seen Disney go and crack down on Marvel's fandom. Yeah. There's tons yeah, those... of people running around dressing up as, in stuff, and you don't hear anything about that. What I but they're not organized, is... though, like these guys. Yeah. So that, that's, maybe the re- that's maybe the issue that they're having. What I've seen Disney go after is stuff like, uh, and, and you see this especially down here in Miami, in certain parts, is like, you know, daycare centers that, that paint like a Mickey Mouse on their building and you know give you the impression of some sort of connection that is not there that's the sort of stuff i see in the cracking down on that i think is legitimate that's not anything having to do with fans that's someone you know using appropriating you know a copyrighted uh character for their own business purposes which obviously the the 501st is is not doing so of course you know hearing this it's like it just sounds to me more like just a knee-jerk reaction rather than anything based in reality and why would disney want to start off by just uh pissing off so many fans and destroying any yeah. goodwill that they could potentially have yeah, who did they think he is george lucas <laughs> exactly <laughs> well no but, but no, his job <laughs> No, here's the his thing, job though. to piss off the fans. <laughs> no, but here's the thing, though. Um, I, I when I watched that documentary about the people versus George Lucas, I found it very interesting because I'm not connected into this fan community or anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, for as much as people bitched about George Lucas, he did allow everybody to do all these revisionist things of his movies 
and do things like the 501st. Like, it, it, it's a really bizarre thing where, yeah, he's a freaking control freak. Oh, yeah. But yet when it came to the fans and them voicing their opinions on certain things, he was kind of – he just kind of let them do what they wanted to do. So He, he would hold fan film co- yeah. uh, ter- cost, uh, contests. Uh, yeah. Watching that documentary, it's like, wow, he really has been very open with interpretation of his works. I'll I mean, be honest with you. After watching it, yeah. I was more mad at the Star Wars fans. Oh, and I, 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 I understand the Star Wars fans' beef with him because of his constant meddling with stuff. Yeah. But when I found that he would allow them to use like uh, the actual sounds for lightsabers and stuff to download in their little productions and stuff, I'm like, wow, you know, for such a bastard, he's actually allowing <laughs> you to just sit there and crap on him. So, I mean, does it dissolve him for all of his other crap? No, it doesn't. But I think that's a valid point. But on Chris's aspect, too, I can't see Disney being that dumb and being that nearsighted saying, hmm, we need to crack down on these uh, copyright things. But yet, yeah. if we maybe do if it, this, maybe if it was Fox, because that's that's like their thing. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Fox is very, very anti-fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 just see how quick they cancel well, shows. <laughs> well, not just that, but like they they crack down. Yeah. I mean, they were they became yeah. notorious in the '90s. Like they would just go around and just attack like every fan site, you know, whether it's X Files or whatever or Alien. It's like how how dare you use our images and promote our work for free for us, Mister Pashido? <laughs> how many how many uh, how many different factions of the Five Hundred First are there? I mean, I know it's an international thing. I mean. There's probably what hundreds of you guys, right? Like when it comes like, to like actual define, or whatever. Define factions. Well, I'm just saying, like it. What is the structure? Like you said, there's the Golden Gate Brigade. So it's, I guess, that's all oh, people see. in the Bay Area. So oh, I mean, there's five hundred first, like in major so, metropolitan areas. I would imagine. So five hundred right? so like first, right? Kind of. So five hundred first okay. is basically the entire is the group as a whole. Okay. Uh, in the United States, I've no. In California alone, there's three garrisons. Golden Gate, that's north. Central Garrison, obviously in the middle. And Southern California Garrison. We are the only state in the U.S. that has three garrisons. In the United States, pretty much every state has one garrison there. And we also also, – about, a little bit more. And we also – since we're also worldwide, we also have garrisons all over the world in Asia, Europe. Australia. Um, I believe that the newest outpost was Russia. Okay. Wow. So, so, so my, my, my question on that is, is basically you're talking tens of thousands of people involved in this thing and Disney's not dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they they're not dumb. So yeah, is we, it going to mean that there's a, it's just going to be a free for all when it comes to stuff? Pro- I don't know, but um, I don't think that the five. I I would safely. Think I honestly, I I honestly the doubt that safe. Yeah, yeah, I honestly doubt that Disney is really going to meddle with us. Right. Like, that that possibility is still there, but they ha- during Star Wars weekends they would work, since mostly Star Wars weekends and all those big events are held in Florida. Mm-hmm. They would always request Florida Garrison to do the parades. Like, have you have you guys ever been to one of those I've parades? Been, I've been to it. Yeah. My have bad. you seen? The, have you yeah. seen like a bunch of just stormtroopers just marching down like yeah. a, a bunch? Yeah, that's wow. probably yeah. for and, and, that's and, probably and they, and they uh, and they announced that they were the five hundred first. Yeah, so of those garrisons. Yeah, yeah so. so so 
so how it works is they they pretty much yeah. contact they contact the garrison they ask them if like yeah. oh, we want to invite you guys to go on a parade for a publicity to for publicity ah, i can't say it publicity <laughs> and they've been so far they, they like you guys said they they were really cool with each other so i i honestly can't see yeah them i i, I think that's a so. i think at this point that's an unfounded you know, it's that's an unfounded argument against this because Disney's not dumb. No, and they're they're not going to do. You're talking tens of thousands of people. No, yeah, yeah. This, this mouse wants to make money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> without a doubt, without a doubt. But um, any any other cons raised by the by the fans or by the fan base at all that you can think of, or, or any 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 other pros you can think of at all? Mm, let's see. Uh, not really. Well. I, I, if anything, I, I, you guys pretty much have said all the pros and cons I would have thought of as well. Um, we did mention Lucas though, um, a little, a little bit ago. And now that the series is out of his hands, um, I mean, do you guys, I guess we're all positive <laughs> in, in, in seeing that, uh, it's going to be able to, uh, be, uh, open to interpretation by other people now. But, um, I mean, he, he did, he was the craftsman that started this universe though. And, I mean, do you think it it'll lose anything because it's not in his hands anymore? Uh, well, he's he, well, he's still on staff as creative consultant, so he's mm-hmm. technically so that's he's an not almost useless off. title, though. <laughs> still, but he's and, not. and it doesn't compare to being producer slash director slash writer. That is true. That is true. I want to find and the here. fact that you know Lucasfilm is answerable now to higher ups at Disney, so mm-hmm. he's not the end of the line anymore, no matter what way he's involved in. So. Did, you know, he can he can be basically like Gene Roddenberry would just rant and rave about every sort of thing he didn't like about what was being done in Star Trek. And then, then Paramount would just quietly ignore him. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to that old man. They, they, they would they would listen to him and then they would ignore him. Wow. Yeah. We're, we're, just, we're just going to give you that uh, that creative consultant uh, title at the beginning of the credits. Here's there. a flashy title for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, since uh, since his uh, involvement has now been relegated to, uh, I guess, uh, just his official title, it looks like um, something he said that would never come to pass is coming to pass, and that's Movie 7 um, coming out in 2015, as Neo mentioned earlier. Um, the internet's been abuzz with, with uh, not only the fact that it's coming out so soon in, in relation to the news, but uh, who could possibly be involved with this. So um, I'm going to ask each one of you what, you, um, what your hopes and dreams are, because uh, I know you guys are hopers and dreamers but uh what are your thoughts about uh the speculative uh movie seven and um uh chris uh, i'll start with you since i haven't i haven't picked you first yet uh any thoughts on uh upcoming movie seven and uh, who could be involved or who you'd like to see involved well we've already had the news break that they've selected a screenwriter yes indeed uh the person who wrote toy story three and also uh little, little miss, miss sunshine. sunshine yes which michael is a great Arndt. movie yeah absolutely i enjoy that film uh, michael i Arndt. love toy story three Toy Story three is it's 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 the best one out of the three to me as well. Toy Story three, or as Kevin Smith calls it, Schindler's Toy Box. No! <laughs> <laughs> the the writer's name is Michael Arndt, and the news broke recently that he is definitely going to be writing uh, episode seven. I don't know if if it's going to get a rewrite after he writes it, but uh, oh, he, usually that's the Hollywood process. There's, yeah. there's usually never just one person touching a script. Yeah, he might, he may, he probably won't be the last to to do a treatment on this movie especially at this early stage absolutely but i mean if you were to do a fantasy football 
on this movie <laughs> and pick uh your 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 um i guess your ideal writer our ideal uh director or whatnot who would you like to see involved with this well we've already got a writer so that's yeah, that's so already that's, that's off the table that's already settled um one name that i've seen thrown around a lot and i think would be a great choice for disney and for this movie would be brad bird yes i was thinking that too because i honestly think he would be available to do it is <laughs> he uh for those who aren't familiar he directed the iron giant yes he did he then oh, okay. came over to the pixar side and he directed the incredibles and ratatouille mm-hmm. and then he just recently made the very successful switch to live action with mission impossible ghost protocol absolutely a really good movie <laughs> yeah sure. and an amazing movie for a first time live action director <laughs> He he knows how to set up set pieces in any any medium from from the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, so I watch a movie like Ghost Protocol, which uh, easily is the best Mission Impossible movie. I'm not a fan of the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. That was just such a damn good movie, and I think to myself, man, if this guy was given control of a Star Wars movie, what could he do? It could be an amazing sight, and um, since he's had a relationship with working with Disney beforehand, I would love to see his involvement. That was, I wouldn't say my first pick, but when I when I look at directors that who they would go for picking um especially since uh he he's still breaking into live action film i honestly think that he would probably be top of the list of people who they'd like to then listen to this um i know there's some other big names that have been floating around but some of them i know are, are actually busy with other projects so i honestly don't see their involvement with uh this movie but um uh i'll i'll go ahead and uh run over to uh, mr bushido uh any thoughts on who you'd like to see uh headline uh, the, the the project of this movie. Um, let's see. I'm not too familiar with a bunch of directors like you guys are, but mm-hmm. I. But my answer to who I would like to direct the new uh, trilogy is the same answer that I gave during the was it the fourth the the live the last Colin show. Oh yeah. It was um, who I want to see direct the new trilogy is Peter Jackson because I Ooh. saw what he did to Little Order Rings so. <laughs> I want it's to four hours long, dude. That's, that's that's a fantasy choice, and just oh. also impossible because of the time, since he's just starting up a little a new little trilogy of his own. So, hey, Dobro did say forever. So, <laughs> yeah, he did say fantasy football, but this is just physically impossible. Yeah, the man cannot do both trilogies. Oh. <laughs> that's my pick. Uh, again, I'm not too familiar with a lot of these directors, so I honestly can't uh, make a, a real choice other than that one. So. It's all right. If anything, you you made a good choice, uh, even though uh, logistically it might be a little tough. But it's um, impossible. But hey, who knows? It'd be the longest Star Wars movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) Neo, since uh, since since you uh, managed to mention that, uh, I think of if Peter Jackson doing this is Chewbacca on ice skates. Why do I think of that? Oh, because the King Kong. Oh, hey man. man, Star Wars Christmas special, the Redux. <laughs> well, no, don't remind me of that, please. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, if you're talking big budget summer Ooh. blockbuster, there's only one man to call. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> you know what? There, there, there is a quote. <laughs> from the boards about that <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. i'm just gonna tell you this if there's if there's combat and explosions who better who better than sir michael bay himself but 
he's got other things to deal with. Oh, yeah. So I spoke to Survey earlier today about this, and he said, you know, as much as I'd like to do this, I have other things to do because I just got Mark Wahlberg for Transformers 4. I got, I got other shit to blow up. Yes. <laughs> there was a response on the, on the, on the 504 boards. That evil has been contained to the Star Wars, I mean, to the Transformers universe. <laughs> You know what? Screw them, because all I got to say is Bad Boys too. Oh, man. <laughs> greatest movie ever made. <laughs> greatest, uh, greatest action adventure movie ever. Um, well, I mean, why not? Maybe the guy from um, that did the, the Avengers, he might be a good one. He's already on the... Josh Whedon? On, yeah, he's already on the... The problem with that is, isn't he already doing uh, Avengers 2? Yeah, he's doing Avengers 2, yeah. and he's supervising all of the Phase 2 Marvel movies, and Avengers 2 comes out in 2015, so he is also not available. Yeah, and, and thinking maybe Robert Rodriguez, because we could have maybe a machete-type Star Wars. Which would be <laughs> that, would, that would be awesome. Or even, uh, to throw in another uh, Hispanic filmmaker, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yes, he's doing a giant robot movie oh. with Japanese girl pilot and badass uh, Str- uh, Stringer Bell. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. right. And he was originally going to direct The Hobbit, so he uh, you know, obviously yeah. uh, Peter Jackson saw something he liked in him, so yes. So uh, that other than that, I, I don't know who else, to be I'm honest. Gonna... <laughs> I don't know who else stuff. I just go to these movies because they're good. Maybe Quentin Tarantino? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if Disney want to have him <laughs> do it because... Uh, He's got Mexican a pen. Standoff. It'd be the only Star Wars with a Mexican standoff. <laughs> Woo! It, it, he has. A, it, he does it, have it, a penchant for violence. It would have to have Brad Pitt, and he'd be like, "Now listen up here. You're gonna get me 100 Stormtrooper scalps, and I want my scalps." <laughs> Started with Mr. Bushido's. <laughs> this this is a Mexican standoff. We did not agree to this, Mr. Bushido. We did not agree to a Mexican standoff. This is not part of the terms. But yes, <laughs> number one, don't fight in a bar. Stupid. <laughs> Number two, don't fight in a oh, bar. What, Chris? What about the guy uh, that did the raid redemption? Because it could be kung fu freaking Star Wars. Because it is episode three. It's episode seven, so it's after uh, Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and so we could put it against it. And then maybe now they're fighting with kung fu. Sure. Why the hell not? I wouldn't mind seeing some martial arts mixed in, man. That'd be pretty cool. They they did a little bit. They did a little bit in the prequel with the lightsaber. Yeah, with the, with oh, the awesome! Involved, man. That, would, that would be nuts. <laughs> I, I would like to throw out who I would one name I would not like to see direct uh, these movies. Michael Bay. <laughs> no. I mean seriously, and and that is Christopher Nolan. Oh yeah, I, I don't think it's his. I don't think it's his genre to be honest. I honestly, yeah. don't. Number one, it's not his genre, and you know, as much of a, and I'm a huge fan of his. I own every movie of his on Blu-ray except for Following, which is coming out now on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And I've talked at length about him on Chaos Theater. Um, he's sort of becoming one of these guys that everyone wants to direct every movie. Yeah, and I just don't see how it works. You know, um, Christopher Nolan up to now, even with Batman, has always stayed to these mostly realistic roots. Crime drama, film noir, even in movies like Inception with their fantastical elements. So having a guy like him step out and do freaking space opera, sci-fi, blasters, Jedi, lightsabers, Mm X-Wings, I just don't see the connection. Oh, I just thought of something awesome. Go ahead. It's it's not even with Episode 7 movie. What's that? But an accompanying cartoon, a Star Wars cartoon done by Lazy Masamoto. Oh, that would 
would be amazing. I, I mean, that'd be fucking awesome. Sorry, there are, there are speculations <laughs> that uh, Pixar might do a project that's Star Wars related too. Now that it's under um, I, Disney's uh, belt, it's not gonna happen. You don't, you don't think so? You don't think that it will even do a short or something that might be uh, involved with Star Wars? Well, uh, sh- no. show me what Marvel stuff they've done in the three um, years since yeah. Disney bought yeah. Marvel. <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> and they've said repeatedly that that Marvel's not their thing, that they do original stuff. They don't play in other people's playgrounds. Yeah, true. And they always have tons of projects in development at the same time because each of their movies takes like three or four years to make. <laughs> that is true. They've, they've got a lot of plates spinning. And they've already got a slate up through 2016 of movies they're working on. So, yeah, if, if there was going to be a Pixar Star Wars, they'd have to get in line behind Marvel. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the 92 other projects they have before would, that. Would yeah. they have, but don't, would, that doesn't mean that we won't see, say, um, if not Walt Disney feature animation, then maybe Disney Toon Studios mm-hmm. out of Australia doing something. Uh, Mr. Bushido, go ahead. Uh, would, since you mentioned Pixar, would they actually make two Star Wars cartoons? Because the Clone Wars is still going on, and there was talks about after season five is done, they're going to move it to the Disney Channel. So yeah, I, I figured that show. I've was heard actually, about that, and that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. I, I guess it would uh, take uh, take the property out of Warner Brothers' hands, and now that Disney owns it, I figured it would just bring it to an end, like they did all their Marvel shows. Being on other networks, they would, they would bring this. That to certainly is also a possibility. They might just yeah. wrap it up and uh, start fresh with new shows. One thing that hasn't been mentioned so far that I think has to be is the live action TV show. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, that. Yes. There's been rumblings about that finally coming to fruition. Now that it's now in it's, Disney's now hand. it's got a home. It's got Disney to back it up, and you've got ABC, ABC. as a network to put, yeah. put it on. Think about how great that would be if ABC had oh, both the Star Wars TV show and the Shield show. And and you know what's funny is that with the popularity of a, a fantasy series like Game of Thrones. If they took that kind of approach with Star Wars, not so much risque, but like take kind of that epic approach with a Star Wars TV show, you know, if they, they follow in the footsteps of that, they could probably have another hit on their hands with that. If they Well, I, I, I think approach. even outside of doing that, the fact that they would do a Star Wars TV show on ABC <laughs> equals hit. I mean, yeah. And like Chris well, said, it'd be in addition to the S.H.I.E.L.D. show that they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. So what, what were we saying, uh, Mr. Bushido? Uh, I forgot. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> we're, we're all this Disney's oyster right now. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I know my uh, my I, I know my knee jerk pick was of course uh, Joss Whedon personally, but of course he's involved with the Marvel projects, so that can't happen. Yeah, that's, that's why anytime soon. What's yeah, that? that's why I ne- that's why I never mentioned him. So I can't, put Kevin Smith in charge of all of it. <laughs> I can't rule out that if uh, of course seven will be a success, that movies eight or nine may not have his involvement, and I'm hoping that somewhere along the way for that trilogy he'll be involved with at least one of those films. My same hope is for J.J. Uh, Abrams, not so much directing it. But at least uh. writing it because I know he's a huge Star Star Wars fan, and if he is as for a person who is yeah, not, but it's going to have ninety five twists on it, dude. Well, no he's, doubt. he's also kind of involved with the the Star- enemy franchise. No, no kidding. But, yeah. but what, what I'm saying is, for someone who's not a fan of uh, Star Star Wars Star Trek. But um, you know, he has a passing interest in it to direct the movies and and be behind a project like the 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 reboot of the franchise and moving on to do the I'll be sequel. Honest with you though, man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry about this. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but this whole thing of like, I'm not a fan. If you're a fan of sci-fi, you're somewhat a fan of Star Wars. You may not be an uber fan like Mr. Bushido that you're part of like a, a group oh, or no. anything like that. But the fact that 
mm-hmm. if you're even interested in sci-fi yeah. stuff, you're going to have to be a fan of Star of Wars, Star Wars. Of, some, of some degree, yeah. just by proxy. Just, uh, just, by, just by that. Well, a- Abram's a huge Star Wars fan. He's not a big Star Trek yeah. fan. But, it, for but him, I would want him good... doing Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, J.J. Abrams, I mean, he is a talented guy, and he has yeah. put out good stuff. But like Chris Nolan, he's becoming another one of these like go-to guys, guys that everyone people want, that everyone wants to direct everything. And he, there's just no reason for him to be directing everything. And I, also, I saw the, Super 8. It wasn't that good. Damn. <laughs> I like Super 8, but I the do. other thing also is if J.J. Abrams were to direct a Star Wars movie, yeah. I don't want his buddy Damon Lindelof getting anywhere near it. Well, what's wrong with Lindelof? Because I would love to see – he wait, loves Star Wars too, and I'd love to see him. Wait, yeah, wait, but wait, Damon Lindelof sucks. Wait, wait, wait. You're Damn. talking stuff Damn. I don't even know. What, what is – who is this you, guy? You saw Prometheus, didn't you? I saw oh, Prometheus. Oh, 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 God. He wrote he, Prometheus? I, he, oh, also, he also he also wrote Prometheus. He also helped oh. to write Star Trek don't though, worry. and the sequel for the movie. No, he, so. helped, he helped to write the new one, which we don't know how that's going to be. And yeah. Damon Lindelof was behind some of the worst impulses of Lost of, you know, just jumbled mess. Let's not explain anything. Let's just keep everything in the dark forever, even till the last minute. Oh, yeah, and those impulses are very clear in Prometheus. So, no, I do not want Damon Lindelof getting within ten thousand miles of well, <laughs> preferably anything ever. Uh-huh. Yes. Bad enough he's already involved with the new Star Trek, but I don't want him poisoning Star Wars two on top of that. Damn, Damn. so, Damn. so it's mystery for the sake of mystery. Sir Bay, sir, no. Not at all. I, 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 that's that's my first. That's my first candidate of someone to not be involved with Star Wars, except yeah, for maybe the set pieces. You know, are, are you getting your ships exploding? Then that's all you're gonna get. If, if he's helping with the set pieces, <laughs> yeah, but yes, you know what? Bay you, to, you, you imagine? Uh-huh. You imagine the hotties in this? <laughs> I'll throw out a crazy one, and uh, maybe not so crazy. Very recently, now. Robert Zemeckis has finally decided wow. to emerge from his self-imposed exile to uh, motion-capped movies. It's about time. That he's been doing for like 12 or so years. And right. uh, the man already helmed a very successful trilogy. Yeah, the Back yeah. to the Future. That, that, you know, will live on pretty much forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just saying, you know, if he so. still has some of that touch left in him, uh, why not uh, give the man a shot? Well, <laughs> he, he wants still- to do movies with, with real people again. If he was still alive, I would say Sergio Leone, but he's dead. Oh, I would, well, I mean, Wait, we can't fantasy it with dead people. That's that's a well, no, no, no. <laughs> Star Wars based on spaghetti westerns. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't part. It wasn't part. Yeah, I, I'm I, sorry. I give, I give Neil. I give Neil yeah. that, that, that. Yeah, that thank you. Highly. I'm not a complete idiot when it comes to freaking film stuff. <laughs> well, well, okay. Me, if we're gonna fantasy it, I'll throw out even a crazier choice. Who? Akira Kurosawa. Oh, oh zombie yes. Akira Kurosawa. Since, he could resurrect him. Since Star Wars ripped off so much from Akira Kurosawa oh, to begin with, oh, even the wipe, even the freaking scene wipe. <laughs> yes, especially the scene wipe. But pretty much the entire plot of Episode Four from the Hidden Fortress. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it would take it back to the, the to the genesis of this, <laughs> and and yes. resurrect the corpse of uh, Akira Kurosawa. I'm. Hey. I, I'm all you know for what it. though? On on the aspect, if we're gonna go just go crazy like that, uh-huh. why don't we just have young George Lucas direct it? <laughs> I'm talking, Whoa. I'm talking 1970s George Lucas. What wow. if we went back in time and captured his soul before he became a, a soulless corporate bastard? <laughs> And then he could admit, well, I wonder what that would be like. Hmm? Hey, hey, guys, and while we're at it, uh, 
we we resurrect Toshiro Mifune and have him as a Jedi Knight. All right, oh, all right. dude, jeez, <laughs> back to reality, guys. Good stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, back, just, just, back to regular make... fantasy football, damn it. Is there anything else we have to say? Because I'm really hungry. Yeah, well, if, if anything, I just wanted to uh I just wanted to just name off um I guess uh one other person who I know would probably never get the chance to do it, but um I would love to still see a Steven Spielberg Star Wars. I would love to see at least one of these movies have his have, have his involvement. He won't touch somewhere. it because it's it belongs yeah, to George. It belongs so. to Lucas, and I know that's a real big fantasy play, but but yeah, if anything, that's that's my last name. I'm, I I would pick, and um, we'll go into final thoughts about uh, we'll go into final thoughts about this subject. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Mr. Bushido, when it comes to uh, the 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 Lucasfilm purchase? Uh, and I we didn't really go into Indiana Jones, but uh, any any passing thoughts on that too? Um, I didn't really watch any Indiana Jones, so. I can't really say anything about that. I only saw bits and pieces of the one. What was that one movie with the one with the um, the Nazi? Was, oh, that, was that, that was that was one in three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the, so... the only good one is Temple of Doom. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Nazi oh, going, free. Going for the counterfactual. I'm just saying. It's going. It's Nazi free. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only one I saw bits and pieces of, but I have never seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. I find that's that funny films. that he says it's the one with the Nazis, and it's like. Hmm. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's, it's the one with that Gestapo you, guy. The one that got his face melted off at the end. That would be Raiders, yeah, of, the Lost be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that guy. That's the only one that I've actually seen most of. So, but other than that, I can't really say anything about Indiana Jones. But as far as for this whole uh, Lucas Disney purchase, um, I'm all for it as long as the movies can become good. I I don't really care. I know a lot of people have. I know a lot of people hate the fact that it's under the Disney license now. But you know, it's it. it Lucas is gonna die eventually, and it's got to go somewhere. So, <laughs> damn, <laughs> he, he's gonna die. He's he's old, and what's gonna have to start with? Like- so, and you know, I'm I'm actually really happy that the fact that he's donating the money that he's making off this to charity. So that's actually pretty cool. And to education, I think that's amazing. Uh, my, my hats off to him for that decision. The only thing I, the only thing that I would probably done differently is probably sell it for a little bit more because four billion seems a little bit less. So cheap. I know. It's so cheap. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's just ridiculous. Could have gone for at least five mil or five bill. So. Oh, what that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. I mean, it could easily, it could ease, it could easily become shit. Who knows? But I'm I'm hoping that it's gonna be good. Could All become right. or just stay. <laughs> become good. It, well, it could become it, good, but it could stay shit. It could stay. Well, hey, it, it's, how it would be? It, it's at the bottom of the low. It's at the lowest of the Episode low. Episode right? one, man. Episode one. I fell asleep during the minutes of pod racing. I, <laughs> I fell asleep during the three D minutes of pod racing. And then remember, can, can we not talk about episode one, please? Can yeah. we just can we just wrap this up? <laughs> All right, Neo, Neo, your last thoughts, sir. Your last I think it's thought. good. You think it's good? All right. All right. Final thoughts. It is from Neo and Chris. It's good. All right. And uh, for me, I think uh, we've got nothing but the future to look forward to when it comes to this. And uh, that's it for our discussion on Lucasfilm being purchased by Disney. Uh, I'd like to thank Mr. Bushido, of course, for coming on to this segment. Uh, thank you very much for taking time out your day to be with us, man. Thank you. Thank you for, thanks for the opportunity. Hey, no problem. And we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment.
for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around, glow, and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my wait, Charmander. Wait. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich <laughs> calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. I can't believe Game & Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? Please fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. <laughs> Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop and second opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Wow. Well, gun damn it anywhere, doesn't it hurt? And we're back at Gundam and MHQ as Neo ruined at the top of the show. Unfortunately, yes. there is no mailbag so, this yes. week. So yes. I was hoping to leave that disappointment at the end for you all. But uh, alas, life is full of disappointments. Oh, yes. <laughs> and and I guess the question must be posed, who disappoints the disappointers? Well, I'll be honest. And with I just, you. I've just found out the answer. Well, I'll be honest <laughs> with you because the thing was, is the way, because we had to uh, off do our... Uh, to change our recording schedule here. Um, I knew it was getting late for you guys, so uh, I didn't oh, want to yeah. be up any later. That's why I spoiled it, so F you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Efficiency. So, <laughs> Stop ruining anyway, my childhood. <laughs> this episode, we closed up finally Pat Labor Roundup with a discussion of Mini Pato and Pat Labor Movie 3, so I'd like to thank Dalo again for having joined us for that topic. And we also dove into the... Uh, troll-infested waters to discuss Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm and what it means for Star Wars, and mm-hmm. also uh, like to thank Mr. Bushido for having joined us for that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So, I do have uh, some shout-outs to make. Go Ooh. for it. Solbro's Thunder. Let's roll in. So, recently, Solbro and I were both on Tomocast. Oh, yes. With uh, Pedro and Jabman. Defender of Destiny, man. Okay, yeah, let me, we, we let were me, discussing me, uh, My Little Pony. This, let me get this straight. You guys get invited to all this, and I don't. Oh no! <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> don't worry, your time is coming. <laughs> well, if it's Jab, man, that's like, that's like, nah, I'm not even gonna say. We, it. we spared you, dude. We spared you. 
Yeah, we, didn't, we didn't want the worlds to collide. Uh, we, we didn't want the mics to blow up. <laughs> yeah. So Even though we were on court of it, talking S with Jabin the whole time. <laughs> we, uh, we talked about Gundam and our origin stories for Gundam and some of our favorite uh, series, characters, robots, all that sort of crap. So check it out. It's already out. And separately, I was recently on Ikari Cast. Oh, yeah, you're becoming a freaking soul, bro. I guess I am. It's crazy talk. So, as of the time that we're recording this, that episode isn't out yet, so watch for it in the near future. Right on. Um, I, I also was on um, uh, Anime Addicts Anonymous. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess that there's no danger of me becoming the new soul, bro. <laughs> I was in uh, episode 153, which just uh, streamed live online. You can actually, uh, when you go to this thread, you'll see links for um, the episode of uh, Tomopop and the uh, episode... Tomopop? Uh, sorry, Tomo Tomo Cast. I can't believe which you can find also at Tomo Cop Tomo Tomo Cop Tomo Pop's website. Tomo Cop. I can't believe I am Tomo Cop. I am full of shit today. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> That's the end of the night. What do you expect, man? But yeah, Tomo Cast. You can find the links for Tomo Cast and the, my appearance on Anime Addicts Anonymous, um, where we talked about uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Age and uh, anime inventions that we think could become reality or wish were real. Um, you can also find that on uh, iTunes uh, eventually as well, and uh, I. I thank uh, the, the people from Anime Addicts Anonymous for having me on. Um, also, I wanted to let you guys know, if you don't know already, um, you can find extra segments for Gundam at MAHQ at um, our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. You head on over there, you get a little bonus material for your trouble. We already have some extra segments up from uh, episode 112, uh, where we just talk about random subjects in between segments, and you'll probably see some posted for this episode as well. So keep an eye out. Well, I just have to say that I haven't done jack crap, and uh, <laughs> I hate everyone who didn't want to put me on something, hey, and all of you can burn in hell. <laughs> Until I get put on something, because was, was that a Sam Jackson burning hell? <laughs> Pretty much. Oh no! Because <laughs> I mean, goddamn. Man, you, you went to Boston, man. You went to you went to go. go no, I was. I, yeah, but you know what? There's something called the internet. You know, Sox, the truth. Man. The truth is just that nobody likes you. Oh, I guess so. Bunch of bastards. Screw so, it, so, bro, um, are there any websites you think people should visit? Yeah, definitely, guys. Peep these websites. Head on over <laughs> where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right. It's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear South, Pedro Cortez. And back to you, Chris. All right. And does anybody have any closing comments before we get the hell out of here? Hell with everyone. <laughs> Movie 7 in 2015, man. Uh, Star Wars, uh, Star Wars nuts, man. Get your hate, get your torches ready. Get your torches. <laughs> Don't you mean lightsabers? Yeah, lightsabers. I'm sorry. That's right. Get your lightsabers ready, man. To pick it or flashlights. <laughs> Indeed, they're flashlights. <laughs> they're flash- <Our> flashlights. <laughs> oh no, that would be uh-huh. a sight. <laughs> the Princess Lady flashlight, flashlight. All right, <laughs> all right. Well, that's yeah. it. We're getting out of here. This is this that's is Gundam the end. after dark. Yeah. <laughs> you're listening to, you've been listening to Gundam at MHQ.
think we're giving him such a hard time because the franchise of Star Wars stands for something. It was the thing that we hearkened back to as being most pure in regards to our cinematic experience. It's the foundation. There's no villain in this story. It's better for us as geeks to have a suit to blame for things. But when we don't have a suit to blame and we realize, oh, George is the suit. He's also the creative guy and he's the guy. Ah, it's a lot of conflicting feelings. Lucas's own career is like, is, is like the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker. I can't have been the first person to say that. I was sort of fighting the corporate system, which I didn't like. And I'm not happy with the fact that corporations have taken over the film industry. But now I found myself being the head of a corporation. So there's a certain irony there, is that I have become the very thing that I was trying to uh, avoid. That is Darth Vader. He becomes the very thing that he's trying to protect himself against. You can absolutely look at the Star Wars movies as autobiographical. There are clearly a lot of these parallels in the very first Star Wars movie with Luke Skywalker being sort of the lonely adolescent kid who yearns to get out of his Culver City of a planet. Maybe George Lucas has had that nightmare where he goes into the tree and he sees like the version of himself, like Luke saw the version of himself that had turned into Vader. Here's a reality check, George. You did become that guy. <laughs> For a lot of geeks, you did become the version of Luke in the tree that is in Vader's mask. I wonder if his son is going to kill him and then make his ghost say sorry. I will say one thing about George Lucas. Regardless of his weaknesses as a filmmaker, he is a he deserves respect because he's a towering giant in the history of, of cinema. So I think maybe we made him feel like he couldn't really make anything but Star Wars. Paramount wants another franchise film from him. The distributors of Star Wars, they want another Star Wars films. There's a lot of pressure on George Lucas to make these because they're business ventures. I'm holding out that he's still got something in him and he could make another American Graffiti, no, another THX, another Star way. Wars. No and way. I think he could. I don't but it's gotta, he's got to get out of Star Wars. He's got to jump out of it. I think George is a big bloated billionaire that still has the soul of an idealistic hippie. And inside that idealistic hippie is an alienated kid who used to go out to the garage and work on motors when he felt like he didn't fit in. And then all that is inserted inside a giant Death Star-like corporation that grew up around him. And I suppose all of those four versions of him are battling it out. And I'm rooting for the little kid in the middle. I hope that uh, he eventually comes out and makes some more movies. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. You know that article's accurate? Caitlin really is getting married. You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some moron's fist? Return of the Jedi. Didn't you hear me? Caitlin is really getting married. What did you like better? Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back? Empire. Blasphemy. Empire had the better ending. I mean, Luke gets his hand cut off, finds out Vader's his father, uh, hand gets frozen, take away by Boba Fett. It ends on such a down note. I mean, that's what life is, a series of down endings. All, all Jedi had was a bunch of Muppets. There was something else going on in Jedi. I never noticed it till today. They build another Death Star, right? Yeah. 
Now, the first one was completed and fully operational before the rebels destroyed it. We'll blow it up. Give credit where credit's due. And the second one was still being built when they blew it up. Compliments of Lando Calrissian. Something just never sat right with me that second time around. I could never put my finger on it, but something just wasn't right. And you figured it out. The first Death Star was manned by the Imperial Army. The only people on board were stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Plumbers, aluminum siders, roofers. And not just Imperials. Is that what you're getting at? Exactly. In order to get it built quickly and quietly, they'd hire anybody that can do the job. Think the average stormtrooper knows how to install a toilet main? All they know is killing in white uniforms. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids, the two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, what are you talking about? The ending of Return of the Jedi. My friend here is trying to convince me that any independent contractors who were working on the uncompleted Death Star were innocent victims when they were destroyed by the rebels. Well, I'm a contractor myself. I'm a roofer. Done and ready home improvements. And speaking as a roofer, I can tell you a roofer's personal politics comes into play heavily when choosing jobs. Like when? Three weeks ago, I was offered a job up in the hills, beautiful house, tons of property, a simple reshingling job. They told me if I could finish it in one day, I would double my price. Then I realized whose house it was. Whose house was it? Dominic Bambino's. Babyface Bambino? The gangster? The same. The money was right, but the risk was too high. I knew who he was, and based on that, I turned the job over to a friend of mine. Based on personal politics. Right, and the next week, the Foresi family put a hit on Babyface's house. My friend was shot and killed. Didn't even finish reshingling. No way. I'm alive because I knew the risk involved in that particular client. My friend wasn't so lucky. Any contractor working on that Death Star knew the risk involved. If they got killed, it's their own fault. A roofer listens to this, not his wallet.